Tony Morales talking about the boys, talking about the comic, talking about the TV show. We got Andy Belanger with an exclusive interview talking about Mother Trucker, his latest Kickstarter attempt. He is a badass motherfucker, indie wrestler, publishing comics, baby. But before we get into that, I give you the latest song that I've been dying to play for y'all. Jesus Loves Me off of the latest record by... Suicide Puppets, Living and Dying on Slaughter Ridge Road. Jesus loves me. Favorite track off the record, baby. Let's get into it. Balls deep, without a condom. Let's do this shit.
Welcome non-fielders and Puppet Army to Veritas Suicide Psycho of the Week. I'm Veritas Suicide, drummer of the band Suicide Puppets. If you haven't heard by now, we have an album being released on October 30th through Unable Records. Go to unablerecords.com, click on the photo of our album, and pre-purchase your copy today. This week's psycho is none other than David Parker Ray, the notorious toy box killer. Hailing from a small town known as Elephant Butte, just outside of Truth of Consequences, New Mexico. Another classic case of a man who was bullied and ignored by other kids, as well as having an abusive alcoholic father. Ray was introduced to sadomasochist pornography at a young age. His trouble speaking to women only fueled his bondage fantasies that eventually blossomed into his penchant for kidnapping, torturing, and eventually murdering his victims. His toy box was actually a small travel trailer that sat on his property. Inside he had every instrument of torture he could think of that goes way beyond the simple imagination of the Fifty Shades of Grey crowd's ideas of whips and chains. Inside was a modified dental chair with stirrups. A mirror was installed in the ceiling as well as many video cameras so his victims could watch above or on the video monitors that were also present. The filthy details of his crimes were thankfully let out of the public eyes. True crime books would detail things such as reporters arriving to the scene of the crime to find the most hardened cops running out of the toy box to vomit after what they just watched on Parker's VCR. Videotapes found would show Ray inserting cattle prods into victims and smoke pouring out. His accomplices included his daughter that he had an incestuous relationship with, as well as her husband. Ray and his girlfriend and other accomplices would find women at bars around Truth or Consequences that looked lonely, easy targets. Those who would frequent bars for solace from their abusive husbands or recent divorcees, prostitutes, you get the picture. They would drug and abduct them and take them to the toy box. They would dispose of their victims by wrapping them in tarps and weighing them down with concrete blocks and brick and dumping them into the nearby Elephant Butte Lake. Still to this day, where the lake dries enough, they still dredge for bodies. Eventually, one of the victims managed to get away and fled to a nearby neighbor's house that sheltered her and called the cops. Ray and his accomplices were quickly apprehended. A short trial later, Ray was sentenced to life in prison, where he would eventually die. It must be noted that Ray apparently wrote a book in prison about how to properly stalk, torture, and kill victims. It's one of those urban legends that the book exists in an FBI vault. Never see the light of day. These are the reasons why I have chosen David Parker Ray as your Psycho of the Week. I'm Veritas Suicide, and this has been Psycho of the Week. Minefielders, as usual, I got a surprise for you. A little mini interview with Andy Belanger. He's also known as Bob the Animal Anger, wrestling for the International Wrestling Syndicate in Canada. Mm. Yeah, he's a wrestler too. Comic artist, writer, mother trucker, wrestlers in space, big titties, murders. Uh, if you don't remember him, or if it rings a little bit of a bell, also the co creator and artist of Southern Cross from Image Comic Books. And artist for ooh, one of the best comics I've read in quite a long time, Pound for Pound off TKO Comic Books. He's got a Kickstarter coming up promoting a badass new comic book, and we want to tell you all about it. And you're going to have to hear about it for the next, ooh, I don't know, 22 days, because that Kickstarter is running hot. 
We've got lots of different types of packages you can get for the comic book itself. You want to get original art, you want to get, you want to pay $40,000 for them to show up and beat you up at your own house, it's on there. Guys, minefielders, fans of Bob the Animal Angler, I give you Andy Belanger. Yeah, are you, uh, have you been recording the whole time? Are we recording now? I just started recording. Don't worry. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, Motherfucker. So Motherfucker is like five years in the making. I became a pro wrestler to make Motherfucker. And I mean, when I say pro wrestler, I get paid to wrestle, but I'm an indie wrestler in the Montreal scene for IWS, XCW. Uh, been on C4 in Ottawa. Um, uh, I, I do some shows in um, Toronto as well. Uh uh, so, basically, I was I was living in Toronto and never hearing about wrestling. I think the thing was was Toronto had like an insurance problem mm-hmm. in the two thousands, so they couldn't. There, I, I just wasn't seeing shows. Like I lived downtown, and there was never flyers. No one I knew went to shows. Like right. I just didn't know that indie wrestling was a thing because at all. Getting living that license. In Toronto. Getting that license to wrestle or to have a show, it, like a combat thing, is next to impossible in some places. Yeah, so I think that's what they had. Mm-hmm. And then in 2012, uh, I moved to, to Montreal, and I, I was doing uh, video game stuff for Blood Dragon. I did the, the trailer animation for Blood Dragon, and my buddies who worked on that with me took me out to uh, two live shows, Battle War and IWS. Battle War is kind of like the one you, you were throwing in a metal club. Yeah. And then IWS was getting like these kind of like crazy old school looking theaters, you know, where you see like Phantom of the Opera and shit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, I started going to them and just like obsessed, like my entire love of wrestling. I was obsessed with wrestling up until I was 18, you know, attitude era. And before that, the eighties and Hogan, macho undertaker, you know, Bret Hart, like I was just obsessed my whole life as, as much as I was with comics. Um, but I, I just, once I be, went into fine art, I just wasn't like aware it was going on. So I kind of missed the Cena era. Um, so when I, when I went to those live shows, I just got hooked. We'd go get loaded, yell at wrestlers. Yeah. It's the most like going to an indie wrestling show is one of the most fun things you can do. It, it was, is the, as a, as a fan, it is, if you're, you like to chirp, and you like to get loud, it's the funniest. And then I started meeting the wrestlers and I started doing like posters for them and like 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 event posters and, and t shirts and I've been doing t shirts. I'm doing all that thing. kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Shane Hawk, who was uh, on Chikara, right. he um, he and I became friends and uh, he got me to come out to the IWS dojo, which was like their training facility. And um, at the training facility, I started getting into it, and then I was doing Southern Cross, so I took some time off, came back, and I've been there ever since for five years. And the idea was I wanted to get into wrestling to make this crazy wrestling comic, which eventually became Mother Trucker. And but by by that you mean you wanted to get so ingrained in the culture that what you wrote was true blue, and no one could be like, oh, he made this up. He don't know what the hell he's talking about. That's yeah, I don't like writing about stuff that I don't know or haven't experienced. Yeah, you can't Even though I write the most far out sci-fi crazy stuff, the, the the stuff that happens in the comics, like I've kind of been through. So I wanted to understand, you know, the the language, which is all kind of based on carny language. It's mm-hmm. like a metamorphosis of that, and it keeps changing. Like I was here, I'm, I'm even hearing like kind of like 
new stuff where, um, you know, there's little, little code words for things like, um, you know, what's a good code word that I can think of? Like, uh, like shoot, um, work, oh, yeah, yeah, shirt, shoot, work, all that stuff. Receipt, stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, giving him the office, like all kinds of, you know, I'm gene up, like just stuff like right. real, real, like code based stuff that's in wrestling that is, is kind of fun. I wanted to know all of it. It's the best. And now I have so many experiences actually being in a match like I've done hundreds of matches. So like, I know what it feels like being in the ring, you know, um, the, the guy who did berserk that comic, he's got another one, um, a, a wrestling one. That's amazing. I'm forgetting the title. I just got it too. It's called, what's it called again? Anyway, he has a spot where a guy gives a, like a suplex to the other guy. And he does this one great panel of the one, like of a foot stomping. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it. you know to go. Right, that awesome. foot stomp is how you know to go. So I was like, "This this comic is awesome. Like this guy knows wrestling. Like it's really cool. I want it to feel like that. Like while the wrestling is is going down, like I want you to, I want that experience in the drawings. I can't so, wait. Um, I actually got paid today. I'm going to throw down on the Kickstarter. Which uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Oh man, in like thirty days. Yeah, we got time. That's yeah. why we're going to be running you on every podcast for yeah, until until it's awesome. over, man. Yeah, like we came out of the gate like like a rocket. It was amazing. But what Mother Trucker is is she's like a she's like a, a like space trucking uh, ass stop and wrestle goddess, and she's titties. on a quest to find her long lost kid and become the greatest champion of Truck Off, which is the WrestleMania of the Starways. Awesome. So Truck Off is like the way Truck Off the way. Uh, the universe works is all the truckers are wrestlers. So they're all like gigantic. This they're all on roids, but the roids are in the, the meat. So all the meat is called burger roids. This is wonderful. So they, when they eat burgers, it's like they're doing steroids. So they're all like these Jack giant he-man looking guys. And this is, this whole project is like my he-man. And, um, anyway, she, she kind of like goes through this like gigantic, uh, uh, accident and you can see the pages in the, in the Kickstarter. Where um, you put it's a like it's like WrestleMania three truck it's truck off three and Big Rig is going against Gigantruck and he gives them like this slam called the the um, stairway to heaven into the highway to hell oh, that's and awesome. it like blows up Neo Houston and um, <laughs> she like she like kind of comes out of it rebuilt by um, it turns out like in the first one it turns out she's rebuilt by the bad guy my Vince McMahon of the universe and Beautiful. he's rebuilding her because the two the two champions that are uh, in this universe, which is uh, Ricky Heat, who is like a cross between The Rock and uh, Ric Flair. And okay. he's a bit of an older champion. And the new champion, Phil Injection, who's like my Shawn Michaels, they're at war. But like the, the Vince McMahon character can't like like get them under wraps. So he creates Mother Trucker, who, who is uh, the wife of Big Rig, my like Hulk Hogan macho man. To like take them out. That's wonderful. And um, yeah, so it's super cool. So the whole first like six issues is like there's a match in every issue. So each issue feels like a standalone, but it's her like trials and tribulations into the into the uh, the truck off. And what truck off is is the, in the universe, uh, if you have let's say you know Walmart shipping contract, and my comic is called Bridgemart. If you have the Bridgemart contracts to truck, you have a belt. So all the contracts are belts. All right. Right. 
right? And there's like <laughs> eyeliner awesome. fish sticks and like there's all kinds of like different products that people are shipping. You're and putting people the fight over the, the contracts. Um, I'll roll up on you on my truck and challenge you for your, your, your belt, your contract. And then the back of our trucks transform into rings and we get it on. And as soon as our truck starts to transform, just like fans from the space highways <laughs> just like start flying just in. Start We're like, Holy shit. And it's like the biggest TV show like going is like being on the space highways and like a fight breaks out and just like everyone goes and announcers show up on like a, a thing. Conveniently like plays the, refs. The, yeah. Yeah. There's refs. So like yeah. Everything. Just everything shows up almost instantaneously and like people are freaking out. And uh, if I beat you, I get your contract and your truck. And the truck? <laughs> yeah, so you can't come after me after, right? You can't, like, okay. immediately come back after me because you have no truck. And you have to have a truck to be a trucker, right? So you're done. So, you're so just certain, done. certain truckers have, like, fleets, you know what I mean? And they get, like, like Phil Injection has, like, his, his uh, DX. So there's, like, a like a China character and, like, a Triple H character. His name's Tricy. Tricy. <laughs> All right, I get it. It's like it's like cunning Chris Cutter. <laughs> yeah, and he's like my Triple H, and um, and uh, yeah, so it's super crazy. So it's all about her like getting into truck off, and truck off is like the WrestleMania of the Starways, and it's basically a, a race around the rings of Saturn while you fight. So yeah, all for like the biggest contracts. So let's, it's it's pretty wild. Let's so that's it. that's Mother Trucker, and we launched on Monday. And we had a – everything I do is – like because I'm in Canada, I had to do everything in Canadian. You can't like change regions mm-hmm. in Kickstarter. So it was like 9,000 9, Canadian, which I think is like 6,700 American. Okay. And we hit, we hit that in like three hours. I noticed like, that. I, I, yeah. uh, when I pulled it up in the morning, it was like you were already up to like uh, like six or nine grand already. I can't remember. It was, it was like, okay – and he's got some backing. Um, let's talk about why you pick Kickstarter because guys like us are right now people are fucking pigeonholing us, and you've got a crazy idea that if you put this, if someone took this out of context, they could they'd want to cancel you or bury your idea. But with Kickstarter, it's fuck you. <laughs> I can do like I'm that's doing... just it. Like I've I've actually pitched Kickstarter to uh, or sorry I've actually pitched Mother Trucker to. Uh, uh, I pitched it to Black Label at DC. Mm-hmm. I pitched it to Image three times. Um, I, I had a con- like a I had a, a company in BC that was going to give me something like crazy, like ninety grand to do it for a new digital platform that they were going to do. Wow! And and my lawyer and I pulled out of the deal so that we could keep the rights. Like, yeah, you need that was rights. a hard day. That was a hard two hours of my lawyer being like. No, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. And I'm like, ninety thousand dollars. Like, whoa, what? And she's like, no, you won't own any of it. Especially like, if they make a million dollars off of it, and you're sitting there with ninety thousand, like a like a chump. Yeah, and this is my baby, my big idea. I don't want people to own it. So when I started to make it, I was like, I know Image would 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 publish it mm-hmm. now, like seeing it, but. I don't think I want anyone else to have it because I'm looking at like the way comics are going. It feels like everything's crumbling and they're making comics, you know, they're, they're after the YA market, you know, which I understand. It's totally cool. It's business. Um, you know, they're they're after that smile money, but, um, it's not the comics that I make and it's not the comics I read when I was a kid. 
Like when I hit 13, I was done with Marvel and DC and I was reading Heavy Metal Magazine. I was reading Monero and Serpieri and all that stuff all through my teens. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos Comics, Polito, who is rocking. He's a god. Polito rocks. Actually, what's really funny is I had some of my best portfolio reviews with Polito when I was coming up and I was like 19, 20. He yes. he was the only one I marked out for at Comic Con in Denver. Everyone else was like, "Hey, cool, nice to meet you." It was it was exciting to meet them, but Polito, uh, uh-uh. uh, I was like, I I need you. To How sign dope this. was Evil Ernie and like Lady Death? Just the dopest. I was so into that, like when it was coming out. Like I bought all that stuff, and um, uh, Tony Moore at the time he had that book, uh, Battle Pope. Battle. I remember I Battle Pope. It was before Walking Dead. He did Battle Pope, and that mm-hmm. book was freaking awesome and i was into that all that stuff you know chaos comics was super super dope um yeah so that's what i'm getting back to i'm getting back to those comics and carrie nord and i are starting a company called lethal comics and the the tagline is it's a new wave of old school and um we're gonna make the comics we want to make without having to you know appease a uh, publisher or say and I'm just sorry, sick of trying or, to like yeah. I'm trying to I'm sick of trying to make something for a publisher that they think is attractive enough to sell I think it's destroying creativity because um, there's so much cool stuff that could be made and Kickstarter is really where it's at when it comes to like unabridged creativity no holding back um, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of the freedom of hanging out with your best pals in a tattoo shop. Um, like, it's just dope conversations, the right people, everyone's in the right frame of mind, respectful. You're listening to whether it, you're listening to hardcore music, whether it's hardcore rap, hardcore metal. Um, you're, these guys are making good money on pure, unadulterated, whatever the fuck I want to do art. And yep. it's, it's the best thing in the world to me, man. And I'm glad that you're doing this. And, uh, I, that, that's what this is. This is like, I'm going to do what the fuck I want art. And I mean, I've wanted to do this for four or five years. Like I became a wrestler to make this. And then COVID actually, what happened was like, uh, I don't, I haven't gotten a good, a real meaty comic gig in two years. Like I got a really great one with James Tinian recently mm-hmm. in his horror anthology, which was like, uh, you know, eight, 10 pages, but I haven't gotten like a series or like one shot or anything. And I feel like my, my art was at its peak. Like I was peaking as far as like that's scary. my art. And I was like, how am I not getting gigs? It's crazy. I was, I was sending samples every single month to Marvel and DC. I know all the editors and just, you know, ghosting crickets. Um, and my, you know, uh, I was scheduled to do Warren Ellis's next book at image. And he kind of like hummed and hawed during the time when I needed to get a gig. Right. And the musical chair thing happened and he quit right before Christmas. I thought he got canceled and, right before Christmas. And my Christmas. family and I were broke. Ouch. And I was like, dude, like I've been waiting for you to write this thing. Like we're scheduled to do it. And it didn't happen. So, you know, I was totally broke without a gig. No one's hiring in December. Right. Right. So what happened was I, I got this mega high profile gig in video games, uh, animated. And it paid for, it was three months of like the hardest work I've ever done. It was like, um, but it paid my yearly salary in like three months almost. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was like, it was 18 hours, 20 hours a day for, for three months straight, every single day. My wife came in and she was painting. Cause she worked in video games. My mom had to come in and look after our kid. Um, but when it was over, I was burnt out, but we had money for the year. And then I sold Southern cross to NBC universal. 
uh, to make an anime and we got paid from that. So it was like, my wife is, you know, I'm, and I'm sending out sample, 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 just giving her. And my wife is like, and I'm really disappointed, getting really depressed. I can't wrestle, mm-hmm. right? Wrestling, was sh- like everything, everything we weren't down. allowed to leave our houses. Wrestling's gone. We lived for that and- shit. What? I said, we lived for that shit, man. That was the yeah. worst part yeah, of so it. Yeah, so it was like, I was getting really depressed. And, yeah. um, and then my wife is just like, you know, it, it's now. Like, we have the money. You have to make Mother Trucker now. now. <laughs> so she started like pushing me and I started drawing it. And um, I had written it when we lived in Italy in 2019. I wrote the script and I, I went over it again uh, with my friends here. And it was just, it was, it was time. And I started drawing my ass off on it and sending stuff around uh, to my pals to get like, you know, notes on scripts and, and art. And um, it, it was just like, all coming like the universe was just like you're supposed to do this and then wrestling started in june and i went to my first uh wrestling class again and right at that class speedball came up and he's like you want to do privates and i was like hell yeah i want to do privates like private with mike bailey every single week for like hours like oh my god one on so one my training. wrestling game has gone like <laughs> like Exploded. when animal comes back animal can wrestle i mean i'm i'm training with like uh Channing Decker and Danhausen and like Keep going. it's dude it's nuts uh like I don't know if you know a lot of the other indie guys up here um but yeah a lot a lot of the dudes were, were just in class together on Wednesdays it's private class and we're jamming and like you're gonna have he's to teaching me he's teaching me Japanese wrestling so it's no longer about five moves of doom it's, no, it's about strong style you know, <laughs> yeah strong strong style but mixed with like hard sequences Right, so you know you my shine, tra- my shine, it? my comeback, and fire, my finish. You know each one of those things. I understand the philosophy and science behind it, and like I have a, a, a sequence, and he, we've done it maybe you know once to three times every week since gym. I do the same thing, and it's just getting like so nice and perfect and smooth and dope looking. And now when I come into a match, I'm just like, okay, shine. This is what I do. Bop, 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 bop. That's awesome, man. Uh, I'm glad that you know, like, if I'm gonna do my, if I'm gonna do my comeback and fire, right? You choke me to the ropes, ref break. I grab your arm, bite, kick, throw me to the ropes. You go for a whip. I weave, angle slam, separation, up. We go for line. We both lock arms. I get your hand, strike, judo throw, up. I never let go of your hand. It's like the Hulk holding Loki. I give you a monkey flip, up. I do the escalera up the top rope, down. With the, yeah, and dude, then you're making me up, happy, man. You're making me happy. Team. Boom! I go for my finisher. Oh, you get over on me, and we're into our first fall scene. Like that's you know, it's like I have all these sequences. Like I think there's maybe six, seven sequences memorized cold. So when I come into a match, it's just that. You can help it out. You can you yeah, can shine before, and you can like, shine uh, some up. Maybe I'll do this until we do this. Right. So yeah. and what's funny is my the titles of Mother Trucker are all based on the. The wrestling match. So the first comic is called The Shine. The second one is The Cutoff. The third one is The Heat. You know, the one after that is The is the Comeback and The Fault. They're all named after, like, the mechanics of a wrestling match. Yeah, yeah I, I dig that because the, the last time I read a, a comic book that was 
that knew kind of what they were talking about wrestling was ringside, and that one came out so uh, it was decent. I I wasn't a big fan of the art. The writing was phenomenal, but like it it, it came out so sporadically, and like I I'd, I'd have to like every time I'd read it, I'd get a new one. I had to go back four issues to remember what the hell was going on. And uh, it sounds like you've got like you've got everything in the can from Mother Trucker and ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah, six 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 issues are written of it. I have the outline and some of the issues written for the six to twelve. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I wrote six to twelve first because it was about the whole comic was meant to be about Big Rick and his daughter. And then and that that was the whole comic. And then I came in Italy. I think I was looking at so much like Italian comics, you know. <laughs> Like a lot of Monera and Druna and Cerviere and Those all that stuff. I was like, I want to make it about. I want to and and I became really obsessed with like Charlotte Flair, right? Like Charlotte Charlotte's match in like WrestleMania was my favorite match by far. Yeah, freaking Charlotte yeah. is the best. Like, God, I love Charlotte. She's freaking rad. The the women's wrestling has really stepped their game up. I'm really digging what they're doing in AEW. Um, they're yeah. they're bringing in well, shit. My favorite indie wrestler here was Abaddon, and then now she's now she's elite, man. Like and, and she's scary as shit, man. Like she's like you remember how the Undertaker used to scare us. Now this one is like legit terrifying, and it it, it everything's making me happy, dude. But let's let's talk more about Mother Trucker before we wrap up, man. Um, yeah, man. Where what are you hoping that you obviously you want to you want to get Mother Trucker over and. You, this is your own baby. You don't have to worry about anyone telling you what to do, and you're going to do it your way. But are you hoping that you're going to inspire other people and get like a more of a Kickstarter trend going on for people to start doing their own comics? Or is this something that you, you eventually are going to be like, hey, I wasn't trying to be a, a, uh, an icon or anything like that. I, was, I just did what I got to do. Like, What do you want to do for the comic industry after everything you've told me that it's it's – not really going down, but there's some struggles. Yeah, I, I want people to do what they want to do, right? Like, stop, stop squashing our voices. You know, stop, stop making us try to make something that we think people will buy. Mm-hmm. You know, I my goal whenever I make a comic book is to try and make something that I will buy. And uh, I think Southern Cross was the first thing that I made that I thought I would buy myself i've got every issue brother but you know you're always trying to like like make someone happy you know and in a way that's unhealthy yeah because you know what i mean you forget instead of instead of a way of being you right you know what i mean and uh i wasn't getting i think my entire 17 year career i really wasn't getting to be myself um that was a scary thing before the kickstarter launch i was like oh no people are gonna see how crazy i am yeah (laughs) You're gonna get canceled, dude. Yeah, it's like mankind just started making comics. So uh, this comic runs until the thirtieth. Oh no, 30 yeah, days. Man, the campaign runs until the thirtieth, and then we wait like uh, I think it's like anywhere from ten to twenty days for the the money to kind of come in. Thirtieth of November, the, right? The, yeah, there's like time for like visa and all that stuff, and then uh, I send it to the printer and. Um, as soon as it comes back from the printer, we're working with a company called Chit Chat in Montreal. So they do all like I, I box everything up here. I've got a giant studio. Like, like Let's this see is it. like check out. This is the studio. Oh, it used dream. to be uh, a nightclub that was run by the Hell's Angels. Oh, you can't see it, but there's like a bar back there, 
and uh, some super gothic wow. bathrooms that are really sweet. Um, but yeah, we, we got this place uh, for like a steal, and it's um, myself and Carl Kershaw. Uh, Karen Nord's coming back. Sweeney Boo's here. Um, Wes Craig was here for a bit, who does Deadly Class. And um, uh, in the other side is a video game studio called Cut to Bits. And they, uh, they're like an upstart video game company. It was all my pals from Ubisoft. That basically, my connections at Ubisoft all quit and started their own video game company and invited me to share the studio. And it's, uh, it's like my man cave. Oh, that's, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. So how do we find the Kickstarter? Just what do we, what do we look for in Kickstarter.com? Well, if you look at, yeah, if you go on Kickstarter.com, all you need to do is go to Mother Trucker. We're like, we're on the front page for the, for a bit. We're in taking off. We're in fresh favorites. We're like, we're all over it right now because it, it blew up so fast, so quick. And there's a so, lot of, uh, there's a lot of incentives for, there's, you can just buy the single issues. You can buy trade paperback, um, or, or well, no. we don't have a trade yet, but what you can buy is you can buy the single issue. You can buy uh, alternate covers by Carl Kershaw, who did the sick like Capcom style uh, cover. Uh, Carrie Nord gave me one with some boobs out. Um, that's really funny of uh, Mother Trucker giving everyone the finger with her top off. Um, there's a, a like a complete cover set. There's original artwork I do. There's uh, not safe for work artwork that I do in packs. There's like mystery boxes. Um, there's one where you can be in the comic. There's one where I do you a painting. Um, and then there's one that is like $10,000 where I will show up to your house with everything we offer, shoot promos and have a match with you. <laughs> For 10 grand? No one's getting that. No one's getting it. It's 10 grand. No one's getting it. But the reason we did it is we're going to shoot a bunch of promos this week and throughout the, the thing where it's like, we're just going to keep making fun of that. Like, dude, you, you, that I'm going I'm to show up. <laughs> you got to, you got to find like some dopey looking guy. That's a friend of yours. And you just show up at his house and just, you wanted it. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like pretend someone spent 10,000 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just come over and like, and like power bomb him in his kitchen table. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Man, Andy, yeah, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming back on the show to talk about the comic. We're going to run this every episode until the Kickstarter is over at the end of November. Cool, um, brother. That's we, awesome. We appreciate everything you do. And if you uh, see Warren Ellis again, tell him why the hell he hasn't even finished fucking Fell. Because, <laughs> well, like, he didn't even get started on my thing that I was supposed to do for him, so I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, every time uh, I bump into, every time I bump into uh, Ben uh, at Comic comic cons i'm like when is 10 coming out oh it's coming out it don't worry and i'm like you're just fucking with me man <laughs> yeah man well hey man it's been a pleasure and thanks again i'm gonna release this tomorrow and uh cool, don't man. worry i'm gonna cut out everything from the beginning and uh because <laughs> uh, we were what we were talking about wasn't recorded but I, I started it like right when i was like thanks i was feeling crappy we were we were shooting and I was, was bringing you up. It was a straight shoot, and no yeah, one's going to hear it. It. It, was, it was like I was putting some wind beneath your wings. <laughs> yes, you were, man. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Much love, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, dude. Peace. Oh, we didn't see you sitting there. Fairtale Suicide and Twisted Suicide. Drummer, lead singer, Suicide Puppets. Exclusive interview, baby. Living and dying. And, well, you get the hint. Jesus loves me. And he loves you too. And like, so Mr. Burns, how old were you had your first gay experience? And he's like, ooh, I was, I was eight years old. Oh, wait, there he is. There he is. He should be here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking retard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use this shit. <laughs>
So go fuck yourself. <laughs> I told you. I did. I fucking told you, Josh. Gotcha. <laughs> I got 20 minutes. All right, that's fine. That'll work. From Minefields Recording versus Suicide Puppets. How y'all doing today? Good, Josh. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's, it's good. good to have you on the on the line here, Mr. Twisty. Nice to make your acquaintance. You as well. Been playing your music all month, and all my listeners are really liking it. I appreciate having that on there, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you playing it. And then, of course, the album releases tomorrow, so you can play whatever you, whatever song you want off the album for tomorrow's podcast. Good, because there's, uh, I think it's track four that is my favorite so far. So I definitely want to play that one. It'll, it'll start this off. But uh, tell me about the, uh, tell me about the album release party. What are you guys doing? Uh, we have a show, was that down in uh, Newark, Delaware, at Halftime Sports Bar and Music Venue? Is that correct, Twisty? Yeah. And for all the paranoid uh, people out there, how, y- how y'all social distancing for that shit? <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't know. We didn't set the show up. We actually got asked to play the show. And we're like, hey, that's the same day our CD releases. So, like, screw it. We'll just turn it into a Halloween slash Suicide Puppet CD release show. So it worked out. Twisty, uh, what do you imagine a uh, socially editioned mosh pit's going to look like? Uh, a bunch of dead people. Uh, shit, knows? man, that was, a, that was a trick question. We've already seen it. That, that gay-ass shit at hardcore shows that started happening around 2004. <laughs> They're just kicking yeah, the air. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I shouldn't have said that. That's okay. Nah, That's my show. <laughs> You're not going to hurt our feelings. I can guarantee it. So tell me, tell me. okay, so we, we I've talked to Dan quite a few times, and from what I understand, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, songs are based on serial killers. Correct. Who are we focusing on on this album? I know two of them so far. Is it just every song like that, or just help me out here? Well, some of them kind of vary. It, it's kind of a flavor of the month, kind of, you know, whoever's intriguing. I watch a lot of that shit, you know what I mean? It's I certain, certain ones are, are just stand out above the rest. There's no doubt about it. Who are your favorites? Uh, Richard Kuklinski's my favorite, which isn't on this album, but will be on the next. That's right. Yeah, Kuklinski will be on the next album. Yeah, he uh, he's my favorite to date. That guy was a... He, they just made a serial killer and turned it into a job. Oh, yeah. Well, they nicknamed him what? The Iceman? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he uh, was a serial killer, and, and the mafia had kind of seen him and uh, realized, you know, hey, we can use this to our advantage. You know, he's already killing people for free. Let's just pay him to do it. I had a nice 20 years, got away with it. I had an ex-girlfriend that was like, that was her favorite one, and she was fucked up in the head. She was one of those people that really liked that movie Funny Games. You ever seen that? Yeah. Oh, I'll, never do yeah. That. I'll never do that movie again. <laughs> <laughs> never again. Uh-uh. Now, okay, so we, we, we've, we've got serial killers. We've got mayhem. We've got metal. Obviously, that's something that people in our demographic, you can throw a rock in a metal show and it, you're going to hit someone that likes suicide, suicide. Uh, I'm sorry, serial killers and death metal. That's it's all well and good. How do you deal with the people right. that don't like that sort of stuff? Have you gotten any blowback from that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, basically, don't listen to it if you don't like it. We don't give a shit. We're not doing it just for you. 
I've always wondered how to explain that sort of shit to someone's moms, but I haven't ever had to worry about that because my mom loves that shit too. Like, you guys got any pushback from your family? No, I haven't. We we had an old band member that he was kind of throwing a shit fit about stuff, and uh, basically it was, you know, this is the way it is. If you don't like it, don't don't play with us. Yeah, those guys suck. Eventually that's what happened. That, well, and yeah, and that's the whole premise of this band. Like, that's our whole stance. Serial killers, murder, death. That's, you know, the, the band name speaks for itself. Suicide and Puppets. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not sugarcoating anything for anybody. No, not one bit. I'd be, and, uh, I'd be interested to see the person that has the balls to approach a group of guys like you and uh, demand an explanation. Uh, we can do it you know, intelligently with them as well, which really fucks people up because, you know, they just think you're a bunch of dipshits and, and you're all about death and blah, 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 you know, and that's not how we are. The yeah. fact is, you know, all of us are smart. So, well, for the exception, maybe one or two, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it's been a while since you guys, okay, so you recorded the last record a couple years ago, but before that, it'd been a while since you guys have gotten back together with Dan. Anything in particular that you guys changed to step into the next evolution of Suicide Puppets now that you've got the almost the original lineup together? Um, basically the approach. You know, for years yeah. we were trying trying stuff and, and the approach wasn't working. So we just changed how we did things. Is it a secret formula or can you tell me? Um, it, it's it's basically putting yourself to know the right people. And, and it really boils down to that. Like, you know, we've had uh, some friends of ours that have, have been a, a huge help. Like uh, John Bechtel from Ministry has been a huge help with us. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. Anything so, else? You know, like, studio-wise, I mean, like, I mean, like uh, obviously you guys are getting more well-established. You're getting better studio time, too, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, knowing the right person, going to the right studio makes a big difference. No, absolutely. Before us, he never did a metal band. He's like, no, this is, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Turned out, <laughs> there's been anything else. All right, so yeah. okay, so we, we've changed the approach. We've got. I'm sorry, I, I I didn't mean to talk talk over you. What'd you say? This genre was his niche, and he didn't know it. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah, about yeah, that'll make that'll make a big difference. Now. Obviously, it's been a lot different from the past like twenty years of how to reach your reach your audience. Uh, before COVID, um, I mean, like, how are you really getting your your music out there? Is it one of those things where it's always for free online, or and then you got to buy this, this, and that, or are you guys making more money off T-shirts? How are you guys reaching the fans? Well, before COVID, it was you know there was uh, was that Bandcamp and Reverb Nation and all those other websites that. You know, lesser known bands used to try to build up their fan base, and uh, but even even before, but see, a lot of that was like, God, that was years ago, man. Like when we started using stuff like that, it took it honestly, you know, Josh, it took me moving to Colorado and being in Thy uh, Shade and Last Rhino, meeting some of the contacts that I met to actually help with what suicide suicide puppets are doing now. Because uh, we, you know, we're signed to Distilled Entertainment. That's our management company out of California, and now we're also working with uh, High Road Publicity as our publicist. 
So it's it's just like Twisty said, dude. It's it's knowing the right people to push us in the right direction. So, but before all that, dude, yeah, you know, selling T-shirts and and our band camp and all that other stuff. But um, it's it's gotten easier, uh, especially now that we're also on a record label, Unable Records. Uh, so you know that that helps too. So you know, even even in the post-COVID world, if you will, like we're still being relevant we're posting things every day on our, our social media accounts just to let people know that we're still out there and let them know what's going on that seems to be a big problem with with bands right now you know everybody dropped off but we didn't they we just continued to push like nothing happened it's yeah. actually been good to us because everything went away and we we're still standing up you, you get what i'm saying i do man and how did you interact with your fans like i mean you're posting stuff i mean but how did you take an extra mile like uh, release anything special for the people who are keeping up with you? Uh, were you guys doing like live Q and A's? We did live streams and, you know, we did a bunch of different things and just kept ourselves relevant. And the live stream was, was big. Oh um, yeah. What was the you response? Know, what was the response you got back from that? We did one live. I remember when that happened, but what was the response you got back from that in terms of like, did you get anything like, Oh my God, I really needed this. Um, I mean, were you playing therapist? Oh, yeah. Were you playing therapist yeah. to your fans? Help, tell me more. So the, the live stream, um, the live stream went very, very well. We got a very good response from it. Uh, just like you said, Josh, a lot of fans saying, "Oh my God, I needed this. We need live music again." Like it's good to see our bands playing. And not only that, we did it. It was a charity event, so we didn't even make any money off it. Like we weren't even doing it for ourselves. We did it for a, a veteran organization called Operation Buildup, where they take broken down cars, fix them up, and give them to vets in need of transportation. So, and it, you know, hats off to our fans and everybody that watched and donated. We raised over twelve hundred bucks for Operation Buildup. So it was, you know, it was great to, to play and, and and play for our fans. But it's even better to know that our fans actually care, you know, about an organization like that and helped out. And it made me feel good as a veteran. And I know our other guitar player. Uh, Steven Suicide, he's also a veteran. It just, you know, it felt good to be able to give back. So like I said, you know, we weren't even doing it for ourselves. <laughs> right. And it, it just turned, it turned out great. So we're very, we're very proud of that live stream. Twisty, how have you been uh, staying sane during this time? Because I remember when I first started going to get uh, back to wrestling shows and being around the boys again, it was, it really threw me off. I remember, like, I didn't know how to interact with people, like, just in person and then, you know, all the rules in place. Uh, I'd like to know how you've been coping and what you've been doing to, to stay sane. Well, you know, ironically, my life hasn't really changed. <laughs> so, you know, pre-COVID to now, it's, it's basically the same. The only difference is I don't go out to restaurants and eat now. And essentially, that was it. You know, my other line of work didn't, didn't change. Yeah, it... it... I got. I actually was one of the few that actually my life got a little bit better during COVID. Uh, I don't want to get too far into it because obviously it's our shoot jobs. But how are you? How are, how are you mentally preparing to to be around fans again? Because it, it's going to throw you off, and they're going to they're going to have a little like problem. I've seen that some people get really disoriented by it. They they don't know how to interact, or they go completely overboard. You know what? I think. People stay the fuck away from me to begin with, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's it, that's not really a hard transition for us to go through, Josh, because even though, you know, there have been shutdowns and whatnot, like we still, we did a music festival in Chicago at the beginning of September, 
So we're used to being around, you know, people then, you know, coming to a show and watching us. We just did a music festival last weekend. So, you know, we're, it's not that, you know, it's not the first time we're being integrated back into the world, if you will, with, uh, with all this COVID stuff going on. So it's, you know, I, I think we're kind of used to it, I guess, at this point, but like, it's nothing to get, like, we're not weirded out by it. Yeah, I mean, look at us. People don't want to come up and talk to us. I, 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 I feel the same thing. I'm, I'm six foot three. I've got long black hair. No one ever walked past me in the first place or came towards me. But the portable kids are closer to them and walking on the other side of the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. So, anything, gonna, anything special that that's going to happen at this release party? Obviously, I mean, you got to make something big out of it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we're doing anything crazy or not. Twisty, do you know? I thought we were going to have like a midget gangbang, but I'm not sure. That's what I that's, wanted to hear. That, that's possible. <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. Now, is that like condom optional party? Well, sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, if, you'd, if, if I had to wear a rubber during that, I wouldn't even show up. That's not worth the $10. <laughs> can, you, can you toss the midgets too? Is that, is that like an extra incentive package where you get to, they sign, you sign the midget and they throw it? I think that's the requirement to get it, yeah. actually. <laughs> what is the weirdest things you guys have ever signed? Uh, boobs. Mm. Boobs, yeah. 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 I'm trying to avoid that shit. Some lady, one time, yeah, she's trying to pull her tits up. Sign my chest. Get the fuck away from me with that shit. What's wrong with you? They must have been pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> it's, hey, but it's something like unexpected, man. It's like, oh, there's boobies there. Okay. Right. I've never declined a titty. That's something new to me. <laughs> well, you got to look at where it comes from. Hmm. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, still, still. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No. My brain is. My brain is. There. Trying. It's trying hard. All right. So, tell us about the. You got some new merch coming out. I'm. I'm actually rocking this kick-ass shirt uh, that Dan uh, gave me the other day. I love it. I was wearing it the other day. It was actually really soft. I was really impressed by this quality. It wasn't one of those like shitty like Hanes beefy tees. I loved it. Yeah, Which one? Think, uh, the skull, skull face shirt oh. with uh, your number to me on the back. Yeah. Uh, now we don't have any new merch coming out. I mean, other than the album drops tomorrow, go to unablerecords.com or www.puppetmerch.com. On our website, click on the photo of the album, and it takes you right to uh, purchasing it. I mean, that's really the only new fancy thing we got going on. We have our voodoo dolls for sale, T-shirts. Uh, you can buy a staged used symbol that I have played on that is a signature series of mine that I've broken. You can go ahead and buy that, too. <laughs> and, uh, Twisty, you spit on all the shirts before they get sh- shipped out, right? Well, sure. Okay. Absolutely. Good, you good. and piss, I believe. It, it, trying to come up with my own line of abortion kits, but that one hasn't been pushed through yet by the FDA. I think that G.G. Allen tried to get that done back in the 70s when he couldn't get it to work. <laughs> but guys, I actually, we gotta, I got to cut you guys short. I got I to gotta book it from here, man. Uh, we know how to find you. I love the fact that you guys actually made CDs. Twisty, it's been a great to make your acquaintance. And uh, Mr. Dan... Mr. Suicide Veritas, I will talk to you soon when we do Psycho of the Week again. Yes, sir. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we are. Minefielders, Tony Morales, Joshua Michael, talking about the boys, the show, the TV.
We barely got it in the third issue, baby. But here we go. Oh, three jokers, baby. Oh, yeah. Guys, welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. I got one of my good pals, Mr. Tony Morales. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, good to be back, man. How you been doing? Oh, it's been a good time, man. I've had a good week. Um, everyone really loved your show, man. I really love watching uh, wrestler love, especially when you see everyone reposting. Oh, awesome. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of a, a newer thing because, you know, everyone's got to get over, but all at the same time, they're putting you over, and uh, and not everyone's too worried about, okay, if I push him, people are going to pay more attention to him. No, it was just pure love. I loved it, man. Logan was pushing oh. it. Like, yeah, everyone, I, it made me real happy. I mean, the response was good, too. Good to see my son's pushing it. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Did I ever tell you that story, actually, real no. quick? No, let's hear it. No, uh, we went to a show in Kansas one time. With a, had a seminar with Shannon Moore, and freaking, we had everybody, including Shannon. Well, I had everybody, including Shannon, believing that Logan was my son. <laughs> so it was hilarious. He didn't think it was so funny, but I thought it was hysterical. Nah, he's a he's a good kid, man. I really enjoy his company. I, I really like watching him grow as a wrestler. Um, well, I remember one of the first shows that that I saw him at CSW. Uh, I was like, do you get like an extra set of like fucking <laughs> like a, like a ten pack? Now it's a twelve pack. Every time you do something, it was nice. And one thing, and, and as his trainer, one thing that I noticed was that because the the ceiling was so low at the at the corner pocket, he mm-hmm. he had to rely on other things other than high flying. Not that he only relies on high flying, but it's definitely something he likes showing off. And he, you know, oh, yeah. of course, you know, do it, you know. But at the same time. I, it challenged him and it made him a better wrestler and you could see it just right as it was happening. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, that's definitely one of the things, you know, cause you never know, A, your opponent, B, the environment you're in, C, the, you know, the size of the building freaking, so you gotta, you gotta adapt to each one each time because you never know. You could be a guy you've worked a million times or a guy you've just met 20 minutes for the match. So you gotta know how to work with them regardless. I dig that sort of work on the fly sort of thing, man. And we're this actually the we kind of had a tester like last uh, podcast where we went like pretty hardcore into comics. But uh, I was so impressed with your knowledge and uh, my ability to just speak off the cuff with you long form. That uh, partner, my my best friend Colin, he's actually guys you guys that listen that he's actually not here. He's working on a movie. I can't disclose what movie it is at the moment. But um, you know, we we certainly appreciate you still uh, subscribing and still listening. But. We haven't done a comic issue in a really long time, but Mr. Tony Morales is stepping in and kicking some ass, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. What are we doing today, brother? Um, like I said, I think maybe you know, we definitely want to discuss some Three Jokers, and then after that, maybe get into a little bit of The Boys. Oh, we're going to go we're gonna balls deep in The Boys. <laughs> That's how they like it. That's how they like it. <laughs> That's how they like it, and we'll get into that, too. All right, but Three Jokers, I want to hear, hear what you have to think, what you have to think about the first two issues before going to three. Um, I was a I was a big fan, really. I liked the um, I liked a lot of things about it. I liked the fact that it's kind of because I'm not a real big um, Red Hood fan myself, right? So the fact that it kind of focused on him was kind of a little bit a little bit new for me, and I was definitely a big fan about it. You could tell that this story definitely kind of went a lot into the psychology. Because it definitely focused on Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood, who of all the people in the Bat family are definitely the three that are most affected by the Joker long term. Agreed. 
and you can definitely see how you know especially between like barbara and uh red hood jason you could definitely tell that the long-term effects um they both handle them so differently which you know like i said is fascinating because you can tell at the end of the day jason never really got over it whereas barbara you know barbara learned to adapt even though you know she had her spine severed now uh just for our listeners that aren't familiar with it so we've got three jokers going on here. We got the criminal, the the madman, and the what was the other one? Comedian. And the it was the com- comedian, the madman, and uh, what was the third one? I can't even remember right now. Well, Barbara's Joker was. I mean, this is heavily uh, Jeff Johns. Really, you can tell he's just an absolute mark, mark for Ellen Moore. And you, you see it in his writings from when he did Doomsday Clock, and there was one other thing that was kind of Alan Moore-esque, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but this is definitely following Alan Moore because one of the things that is really interesting about the Joker is the fact that no one really knows his origin because it's been told so many times, but at the same time, though, uh, and, and let me ask you this question. do you Have you always loosely felt that the uh, the killing joke was the closest we're going to get to an origin story for, for the Joker? I've always felt that way. I always kind of, you know... The the whole mystique of the Joker is that you don't really know. Agreed. We don't know. We don't know his name. We don't really know his origin, and that's kind of the magical part about it. Is he's you know like they talk about in Dark Knight, he's a dog chasing after a wheel. He doesn't know what he's gonna do when he catches it. You know, you don't know the history of the dog. It it speaks to the fans too, especially because they they never said that the Killing Joke was an origin story. I mean, I'm sorry, an Elseworld Elseworld story. So mm-hmm. is it canon? Is it not? But everyone loves it so much that like we kind of wanted that to be the the Joker Joker's origin, despite the fact that it never was flat out said. But that mm-hmm. that particular Joker was there in a parent staring right at. I mean, remember in in three when he's got the camera and he's like he's smiling. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, that gave me chills. No, I thought the whole thing, I, that was really cool, but I, li- I actually liked in the uh, the second one, when it just opens up, and the Joker's like, hey honey, I'm home. Oh, that creeped me yeah, out. And there's that whole, yeah, that whole scene with him, and his quote-unquote wife, and his quote-unquote child, and they're just captured. Like, they're, they're prisoners in this whole thing. You know, and then he gets, you know, he's just kind of daydreaming, and he's woken up by the criminal, and the criminal, you know, and he's just like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And he's just, he's just like, I'm having dinner. And, you know, it's just this messed up teddy bear and this mannequin with him. And it kind of makes you wonder because it's like. Does he know? You know, d- yeah, d- does he know? I mean, if, he's, if he recognizes the daydream, even his daydreams, they're victims. Wow. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't, you know, why couldn't he dream of you know, a wife and a kid and happiness? You know, is, is, is he just that screwed up that no matter what scenario he's in, he has to give pain? I like. Your, so I, I thought I like that was kind of interesting. That is extremely interesting because, like, and we'll get to it in a little, little bit because I, I was very displeased at the ending of it because of, and, and guys, if you're listening, obviously, you, long-term listeners, you know, spoilers ahead, but if you're new. Massive spoilers. Yeah, massive spoilers. And we're not doing it because we want to spoil it for you because we want to talk about it introspectively. Uh, the the ending of it when you know it's revealed that Batman does know the the Joker's real name and that he you know did everything he could to hide uh, the wife and the the baby that supposedly died in the Killing Joke and they're in Alaska and 
I didn't think about that. I think I was just so turned off. My brain just was just like, no. And I, that, that adds a whole different spin on it. But I mean, now that you're thinking about it that way, how does it affect your feelings toward the ending now? Um, I, I also, I just wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the ending just cause I was, you know, with it being black label, bless you, bless you. Oh, thank you. I thought I muted it. I apologize. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, with it being black label, I was kind of hoping it was more elseworldsy. Right. And like, you know, in elseworlds, you know, anything could happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was kind of like, it came down to just one Joker and one Batman. And it was just like, like, I think it was just more so the fact that there was so much buildup because this has been a story four years in the making. And it's just like, at the end of the day, other than the, the child and the, and, the, and the wife or the mother, regardless, it's like, what's really changed? This is why we do minefields is because it, because the, there's like three different dudes in me when it comes to comic books. It's the, there's the little kid. There's the the kid that's just happy that he has the money for the comics, and then there's the writer and the person that's like really, you know, slaves over that thing. So the 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 teenage kid that was like, "F this, man!" Like I didn't like the ending. Like you know, he's he was ignorant yesterday when he finished it, as opposed mm-hmm. to now when it's like, no, that that this needs to be studied because you can't just you know write Jeff Johns off under no circumstances. Oh yeah, no, no, never. Right, so okay, so we got that. So there's the, the there's that parallel there that at the ending. Um, I loved the the format itself, like throwing back to like old school Alan Moore type stuff, where like nine to nine to six panels per page, a lot of talking heads, but uh, a lot of emotion. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, definitely. Like I said, the uh, between Barbara and Jason, like it just kind of you know it showed. I guess it almost showed a little bit of growth from Jason, which I did actually enjoy towards the end. Like he kind of seemed to be a little bit more at peace. And there was the part when they were talking about, you know, when I think Barbara and one of them says, you know, we're really sorry about what happened. And Jason's whole response is just, you realize you're the first person that ever actually said that. Oh yeah. And that was, that was, that was powerful. Cause that was like, you know, all this time, I mean, Jason's, you know, Jason's been back for years and, you know, started out under the red hood and then, oh, you know, they kind of came together and then, you know, he shot Penguin in the eye and all that. And then now they're trying to reconcile again. And the whole time, nobody ever thought to be like, hey, bro, how are you doing? That was- Like of all the things Batman can do, of all the things, you know, he's... You know, he could beat anybody with enough prep time and all that. Yeah, like in Doom. At the end of the day, like freaking what, you know, how much of his humanity has he lost to this crusade? Because why wouldn't, you know, if you if you lost somebody and then they came back to you, you know, wouldn't one of the first things you'd say is, you know. How are you? I'm sorry. How, how, yeah, how, yeah. How, are you, how are you doing with this? I wonder if I wonder if that was something written into it because like there was like an inherent embarrassment and and shame that Batman had because they did reflect on each one of them had a each one of them had a particular um, uh, think of the better word than Bane uh, an enemy or or cipher uh, I, I'm gonna land on cipher on that one that because okay. you know there's the there's the Joker that killed that killed Jason initially there's the Joker that paralyzed Barbara there's also Joe Chill that started this whole goddamn thing in the first place 
And then, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, Batman's got that added layer that he's responsible for every single one of these things here that's happened to them because he introduced them into the Bat family. And, and then having to weigh on that, especially at the end. Man, like, the, the, the real powerful thing to me uh, that really kicked me in the, in the nuts was when he saved Joe Chill the second time from that wall falling on him. He's like, thank you. And he's like, you're welcome. Yeah, and and when Joe's looking at him, I mean, like, have like that is, I've 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 seen you know, TV shows or uh, you know true true crime documentaries where people are talking about forgiving the the murderer of their their loved ones and you know like reaching out to them and letting them know they were forgiven. But those are more powerful people than me. But mm-hmm. seeing that with with Joe Chill, and. The I'm sorry, and then the the fact that Batman took the time to go to Alaska just to stare out at the you know, just to just to check and see that they're okay, the the smiles on their faces, and I, I, it it kind of grabbed me because I was like, is this the last time we're gonna see these people ever smile when someone invariably like decides that son of Joker needs to show up later? Yeah, I mean that definitely could happen, you know. And who's to say that you know, at the end of the day, somebody you know by going out there and visiting him. Like Batman hasn't set him up for a fall, just to kind of keep that moment that 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 guilt going. You know, who's to say Joker or henchman wasn't somehow nearby and able to to see what Batman saw? Agreed, because there's other things that they revealed that there's. I don't think there's just three Jokers. Remember when they when they were uh, having that powwow in halfway through issue three, when they've got all the different pictures of the Jokers and the different names of them, and like you know you you see the different styles of. of drawing the Joker, like, there's definitely, like, this is definitely Greg Capullo's Joker, uh, this is definitely, uh, Cesar, uh, uh, Cesar Romero's Romero. Joker, uh, mm-hmm. and that maybe they're, they were all Jokers, I mean, because, like, I've never thought of Joker gas as anything other than something to poison people and cause mayhem, not make new Jokers. Yeah, so, I, mean, I definitely thought that was an interesting concept of, you know, them wanting to make more Jokers, or at least, you know, the criminal leading the way towards making more which i definitely thought was fun because like if they could just make another joker like you know this could go on forever no matter what happens which is definitely interesting interesting concept it, and it definitely betrays the uh the the idea that everyone's been holding on to for i want to say since i was conscious enough to understand literature and comics was that Joker, in order for Batman to exist, Joker has to exist and vice versa. Like, they're having mm-hmm. that, that talk in the in the paddy wagon, and he's like, we're going to kill each other. And just, just like at the beginning of The Killing Joke, when Batman doesn't want that to happen, but if we, we can make new Jokers, I mean, Batman isn't immortal. Yeah. I mean, you know, he could always be replaced by Terry McGinnis, but, <laughs> but other than that... <clears throat> I dig it. I dig it. I haven't heard that in a while, brother. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I was always a big fan of the, the series, so I was a big Batman Beyond fan. Oh, man. Like, I have, I think I've only met, like, three Batman Beyond uh, fans in my life. I'm really digging what they're doing in Batman Beyond, like, in the comics right now. Um, oh, nice. So I haven't, gotten in, I haven't gotten into the comics, but I remember, like, it was years after the series was done. I just kind of binged it on, I think, Netflix or whatever. Hmm. And I... Like I, well, I wasn't a huge fan of the idea, but once I got into it, I was like, "Oh, this is actually really good." What got me was the fact that they had uh, Kevin Conroy do older Batman. Mm-hmm. Like once I had that little bit of familiarity, because you got to have a little bit of a blanket, you know what I'm saying? Something you're used to. Oh, but definitely. I always think of it like um, 
Like, you remember when you're a kid and you're like, I'm eating salsa, but you're only like dipping like a tiny bit of the Tostito into getting the wet at the end. Like, you're mm-hmm. not really like, my dad would bite like whole, whole in the jalapenos. Like, no, you gotta give me a little bit, ease me into that. So, uh, other things that stood out to you in Three Jokers in particular that you really liked? Um, well, going back to, you know, like you said, the forgiveness angle with uh, Batman and Joe Chill. The fact that, you know, Bruce Wayne himself actually visited him at the end of the hospital at the end was really kind of a nice little touch, I thought. You know, at the end of the day, you know, maybe Bruce can learn to forgive and, you know, move on. And I think it kind of, you know, hopefully would dictate that he would, you know, possibly be able to talk to Jason at some point and maybe fix, fix their relationship. That's a good point, especially when you see Jason. So Jason's just completely fucked up from being in uh, broken, yeah. In he's he's hurt. Barbara takes him to the apartment. He takes a shower, gets a nap. But while he's doing it, he's seeing the you know the books uh, on uh, psychotherapy and um, uh, PTSD type stuff. Uh, how to learn how to walk. He sees the wheelchair, and uh, you know she asks him if she's okay, and then they kiss. Of course he's going to fall in love immediately. I know, like, like that, that, why wouldn't he? And I never saw any semblance that him and Barbara ever had anything in the comics. Did you? I've never, I've never seen it, but like I said, I'm not, I don't, I had never gone out of my way to really read Red Hood. Good. So. I always see Red Hood when he's like pissing people off or showing up uh, to kind of save the day or just be the, the wild card. And they they just deal with them because they they have to or they feel guilty about it. Um, yeah, she. But Barbara had different circumstances. She had a good father, you know, a good a yeah. good upbringing. Batman, he was rich. He had Alfred, but. Uh, nah, Jason. Jason was a kid that got caught stealing tires, and luckily, you know, Batman took him in. But you know, his whole his whole thing was always that he was kind of the rebel of the group, even as a kid. And that always kind of seemed to like, from what I understand, a lot of it was him just, you know, lashing out and just trying to do his own thing instead of listening to Batman. And, you know, and that's kind of a little bit with Bruce is like, did he really lead him down the wrong path or did he, you know, did he just give him too much rope and he hung himself? Well, too much rope. I would land on too much rope, but then I'd slave over it. I mean, he's still going to feel bad about it, but like, you know, Jason, you know, it was Jason's, from what I understand, it was Jason's choice to go after his mom, which is what led to Joker catching him. And I mean, it's a messed up situation. Who's to say, you know, if that was, you know, you couldn't find your mom and then you did and then you went after her, who wouldn't go after her? But, you know, it's, you know, unfortunately it ended up being a trap. My last thought, and I'm glad I got you on the phone for this particular question because you're a wrestler. Um, when everyone decided to vote in to to kill Jason, um, in was it death of the family, right? Uh, death, death, uh, in, death, death in the family. family. In the family, okay. Or it was, was death in the family. Death of the family was the Capolo uh, run with Snyder for a little bit. Yeah, I was a big fan of that one. That was that was awesome. Even the die cut covers were badass, man. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got all of them. The the idea and I, and I've read this and I I notice it when I when I talk wrestling with casual fans or people that are just big WWE fans or people that watch everything is I find that the crowd doesn't really know what they want because you know you you hear people talk about like man all oh, if Rusev just did this and then this happened it would just write itself how many times have you heard someone say it's just gonna write itself 
Oh, plenty. I mean, it's all like it's it's any sport, dude. It's freaking armchair quarterbacks, you know, baseball, football, hockey, wrestling. You know, everybody everybody knows what we should do, regardless of whether you know there's actually a reason to not do it. Agreed. Now, how many times in wrestling when we actually got what should have what wrote itself or what everyone wanted, and then everyone was like, "Boo! I hate this now." Like, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like that's. Let me, let me rephrase it. Do you feel that was what happened when Jason Todd got written off? Um, I wasn't reading at the time, but I really, I, I don't. In hindsight, I mean, it was kind of like I, I don't know because, from what I understand it, you know, a lot of the the anti Jason sentiment was based around the fact that originally, if I remember, if I remember reading correctly, he was basically a copy, a carbon copy, of you know Nightwing. Right. He had a lot of the same uh, quirks, a lot of the same uh, well, origin story, and then they changed it to the whole thing with uh, him stealing the tires, which I think the tire thing's phenomenal. I agree. Because it, it did make him different from you know Dick Grayson. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I think they took the advantage of a bad situation. Really, I think, I think you know, it was a crap situation. You know, they voted to kill him off, and even that's. In speculation, because I remember hearing about a guy that had like an automated thing on his phone that legitimately dialed it like 329 times, if I remember correctly. And, you know, that was a large part of the sway towards killing him. So it was all a lot of it was one dude. Man, I can't imagine like hating the kids so much that I'd buy like an automated phone dialer. He could have just been one of those fraudsters anyway that already had it, man. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, you know, long term, I don't, you know, I think they made the right decision, but I think they also, you know, took advantage of it when they brought him back because, you know, they made him a totally different character. They totally redefined him and he's obviously better for it. You know, people, people, you know, there are guys that freaking love the Red Hood character. Oh, yeah. Can't blame him. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess I'd written, this is really one of the first things I really read that really focused on him, and I'm I'm intrigued. It's it's just like wrestling. Everyone has their dude. And I really like asking, and I know it can be a cliche thing, but it, it, it helps you learn a lot about someone. Like, when I remember, because we were talking about uh, Austin earlier, I remember when I asked him who his favorite guy was, I was expecting to hear Shawn Michaels, but he was like, no, Dolph Ziggler. I'm like, oh, yeah, that why didn't I see that one? But at the same time, though, it, it made me like him more because I like knowing who your dude was. Like when you're a kid, man, who was your GI Joe or what turtle were you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, I was Raph. Who were you? I was totally. I was a Michelangelo fan, hundred percent, dude. I thought Mikey was amazing. Mikey. Oh, by the way, uh, Last Ronin. Did you read it yet? I have not actually. I'm intrigued by the concept because the, the whole thing's like there's one turtle left, but you don't know which one it is, isn't it? Yep. And uh, I, I'm liking it because, and, and uh, just real quick, uh, week before we wrap up, Three Jokers, I'm liking it because the the concept. Did you see TMNT the uh, the CGI that came out like in the CGI? Cartoon? Oh, the movie, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I got it over here at the house. Yeah, absolutely loved it. The, the thing that I loved about it the most was it fucked me up immediately. 
Leo's gone. Like, what, what, what do you mean Leo's gone? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like any other situation you would have pre- presented me, I would have been just fine with. But they started it off just completely derailing me. Like, Leo's gone. And then, and then all of a sudden I was sucked into the story because we're seeing each turtle individually, like, completely out of their mind doing God knows what uh, because they're, they're not allowed to, to, to fight crime anymore. It, but displacing Leo, but then them doing Last Ronin and displacing everybody else, uh, we we don't know who... Well, I, I do, I read it already, but uh, even then... Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to go so, such a tangent on that. It's just, I get so, I I, I get so hot on this sort of subject uh, when it comes <laughs> to writing. Uh, that was my last uh, wrap-up thought when it came to Three Jokers. Do you have anything um, that you, you want to finish up before we go into the voice? Um, that was a real, I really like the fact that they brought back some interesting character, you know, like Joe Chill was in there and, uh, Gaggy Gagsworthy was in the first oh, one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I was like, I, I, I'd heard about him from like different YouTube channels and whatnot, but I'd never seen him. So I was like, oh my God, they're Gaggy Gagsworthy. That's a real thing. I'm like, that's, you know, that just those kind of like little Easter eggs I always think are so much fun in, you know, these books. It's fun to pop for those things. And by the way, uh, Easter egg, uh, if you uh, squint your eyes real hard, you'll notice that the uh, person sweeping away uh, Jason's love love letter, uh, what was it? He, he's in purple, and it's... Uh, God, i got to get back there. Give me one second. I was just there, and it was like flipping Yeah, I was just looking at it myself, too. It The back of it says, fun time, fun time cleaners. And it was you know, almost... It's got a hat, I think, but... Almost looks like to be green hair. Dum dum dum. Yeah, I know, right? All right, so uh, just to, to wrap it up, Jeff Johns, writer, Jason Fabach, illustrator, Brad Anderson, color artist, uh, Rob Lee, letterer, and cover illustrated and colored by Jason Fabach and Brad Anderson and Mike Doyle and Amadeo Totoro as editors. Uh, I'm, I'm every time I see it, it makes me happy, but it still makes me still kind of mad. Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. That's the best they got. Come on, just say and. Yeah. It's one word. Yeah, give them that much. Just yeah, just give them the end. Like you, you're that stubborn that you're you're just gonna keep sticking it to them. Like anyway, the boys. <laughs> oh, the boys, indeed. Okay, uh, what was your first thought when you heard that the boys was gonna be a TV show? Um, in all honesty, couldn't care less because I had no idea what the boys were. I got lucky when it came to the boys, um, and guys, I'm not one of those OG guys that, like, I've got issue number one, but I'm going to do that in this one because uh, only to entice you to take a chance with comic books, even if you don't know what it is, because you might miss something great, because everyone's scrambling right now to get all the original issues right now. You can see online that the, the price is just, you know, skyrocketed. I got the boys in a fucking dollar bin for a dollar, the Wildstorm one, <laughs> and... No one was touching it, and I remember uh, it's Warren. It, no, no, what am I gonna say? I always get those guys mixed up. It's it's Garth Ennis, and uh, why wouldn't you take a chance? Has he has Garth Ennis ever let us down? Yeah, you're not wrong. Why not just spend the three bucks and try it out? Like, I thought that they were gonna screw it up because of what Seth Rogen and his production team did. Such. Uh, unsatisfactory job with Preacher. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to watch that one yet. I need to I need to dig into that one next, actually. I, I Working feel, away from Swamp Thing right now. 
Oh my god, dude. That D the DC app is worth every penny. Every penny. Or are you watching it on a are you watching it on um uh HBO? I'm an old man, dude. I watch it on I picked up the DVD. <laughs> oh, well, were you talking about like the 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 uh, West Craven Swan thing? Or you're talking about like the actual oh, no, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the one from the DC app from last year. I just uh I just picked up that in Doom Patrol at like a Walmart on DVD a while ago when they came out. I didn't know that those were on. I remember like I bought a $50 bootleg Constantine one 4 years ago at Comic-Con because I didn't think it was ever going to be out and now I, I recently saw that it was out um mm-hmm. 100% worth having the physical copies on the, that one. Oh yeah, I know, dude. Freaking I'm my team when all my internet goes out and whatnot, it's the best thing to just have them just kill some time watching those. Agreed. All right, so all right, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. I I I, I didn't realize that you're you're new to the boys, and I appreciate you investing in the. Uh, and I hope everyone else appreciates the fact as well that you know made the comic that you invested in it as well as everyone else did, that to to pick it up and challenge yourself to something new. Yeah, no, I uh, I think I read the I watched the first two seasons and then I picked up the uh, the first trade paperback. That's perfect because I read all the books and then I watched the first. I binged the first two seasons. Um, after, what was your first initial thought when you read issue one, having seen the first two seasons first? Um, you know, one of the biggest differences I caught was that uh, Billy Butcher actually seemed like a substantially nicer guy in the comic books than he does on the TV show. Yeah, <laughs> like he's definitely like a little bit more. Well, except for you know when he's with the uh, you know the um, director of the CIA, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah a little bit nicer, um, but the, like first off, I'm a huge mark for Carl, Carl Urban. When the other day I read that like he's supposedly trying to be Wolverine in the Marvel universe, I wanted to scream. I was like, no one could do it better. Uh, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Shoot. He's he's much more manipulative in the comic book as opposed to just being full force like you know. He's not even gonna kiss you on the mouth before he gets to the business in the in the in the show, but that's just yeah. that's just the rough and tumble thing. Um, the one thing, it, it it was one of those things where you had to clear your mind, guys. Like when when you read the comic and then you want to watch the show, you gotta be as open as possible. But the, the it it can be challenging sometimes because like when I was saying that there's three me's when I enjoy comic book anything. Because people ask me, like, the the, the open, I I want you to just enjoy yourself. Like, did you like the new Spider-Man movie? Did you like this movie? Um, It doesn't matter what I think. Um, If I really liked it, I'll tell them just, yeah, it was was phenomenal. Uh, If I didn't like it, I'll tell them it doesn't matter what I think. What matters to me is that people are buying more comic books. Yeah. And this one was a conundrum because this is a hard subject matter. This is this was all psychological. This throws you into the into the loop, whether you're reading the comic book or you're watching the TV show, of the fact that the superheroes are not good guys. Yeah, they're definitely not. None of them are what you you know consider a white hat. No, uh, maybe Starlight, but even then, I'm still, I'm still because it's the show and they you know they switch things around. Because you remember how you're watching The Walking Dead? You, uh, did you read all The Walking Dead? I did not actually. I never. I never actually got into that one. With with The Walking Dead, they had the challenge in the show to change little things or big things to keep the people that read all the comic books happy because we're going to get bored if you just photocopy it, regardless yeah. if we think that we're going to. That's what we want. But at the same time, mm-hmm. we you also have to fix things because a lot of these guys 
they they don't have the editors that you would think that uh, that like a a journalist work, working for the New York Times would have, where everything gets picked apart. They you know things get cleaned up and a little bit polished. But with the boys, this was like I don't think <laughs> there was very much editing on this at all because it was just balls to the wall depravity. And then how the hell is that going to be on the TV show? And I, it, I think it was a welcome challenge to the writers of the show and the director and the actors of how to like really laser focus it and have something that everyone can enjoy. What did you oh, think? Oh, yeah. Um, no, like I said, I picked up the first trade paperback, and that one has the first 14 issues in it. And just the, the amount of difference between the first 14 issues and like the first season is tremendous. Like I like I was like we were talking earlier off screen, you know. It's like I can't believe they would look at this comic and be like we want to make this into a TV show cuz it's so it's so over the top. But, you know, like it's 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 interesting. It's really interesting to see how they pulled it off. So I, I thought that was I thought that was fascinating really cuz just like like you could really like looking at it, because you, you see similar characters and you see like certain people are, you know, basically straight off the page. Right. And then others, you know, they've got quite a few gender swaps between the show right. and, the, and the book. And you've got people that are totally different from what they appear to be in the comic books. When it comes to so the like, gender swap, oops, sorry, I'm excited. I, I apologize. Go ahead. Good. No, no, I'm, I just finished up. No, when it comes to the gender swap, thank you. Uh, when it comes to the gender swaps, I think it was the the best person for the job, period. Oh yeah. And I I don't care black, white, gay, straight, trans, best person for the job, period. And everything worked perfectly. Uh, mm -hmm. The the I got I, did you, hey by the way did you notice that uh, uh Frenchie was wearing an elite shirt? I did not actually. Yeah, it's season two, uh, season two, episode two, I think, when they're holed up in the uh, the Jamaican dude's drug den, he's wearing a being the elite shirt. That's hilarious. Shoot, I now I'm watching. Go back and look at that. I know. It, just just to rewatch it, just to see it in a couple of scenes. Um, all right, so you you're flip flopping. You're you're seeing the differences, and you're did what? Just flat out, which one did you enjoy more? Um, I gotta say, I enjoyed the TV show overall, but I think that was kind of, like I said, it was my, it was my first impression. Right. It's almost like, you know, oh, the book was better. Oh, the movie was better. You know, I saw the, I saw the TV show first. So that's what I, you know, what I relate to better. When it, when it comes to like deleted scenes, when this is a, a Blu-ray or 4k, whatever, um, I want what they did with fight club. Did, uh, did you ever get the special edition of fight club? I've got it. I don't think I've ever looked at like all the extra stuff. Though. The the commentary track with the writer Chuck Palahniuk was revelatory, uh, as as someone that enjoys little nuanced things as, and as a writer. And and I'm, I know you're a writer. You write things on the fly in the ring. You you help other people write things. You help write storylines. Um, I think you would really just you'd you 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 wouldn't want to watch it without it. And I want to see like a, a deleted scene, not deleted scenes, like an extra thing where, where the writers are like, okay, this is why we changed this. This is this, mm -hmm. this group over here of good ideas, and this is a bunch of stuff over here that we were like, no, we're not touching that with it. Whether or not if it was on network TV or or USA or HBO or, or the dark net where they can get away with whatever they want. We're still not yeah. going to go with that. What were the things that turned you off about the comic book initially um... while reading it? Well, I was really into the first loop, 
but like it kind of like the over like some of the over the top stuff it was like the over the top sexualization while I was all right with it for the first story because it you know it made sense uh-huh. like it just like they brought it back for the second and they brought it back for the third story and it was just like is this is it a one trick pony like is that is that all he's got is you know we're gonna over the top sexualize everything agreed like, I thought it I thought it made you know it made perfect sense for the first story but the fact that it he kept going back to that one trick was like man come on like give us give us a little bit more you know give us some you know maybe the fact that I'm not a real big indie comic book guy kind of come with some of the conversation fad kind of makes me want to get into it a little bit more right. but like I don't you know I'm a big I'm a big Marvel DC guy personally it's pretty much all I get this is the first indie book I've gotten in quite a while. So maybe I just kind of, you know, got to get, you know, dive in a little bit deeper. Well, I certainly agree that you, you should challenge yourself. But did you ever read Preacher in its entirety? I did not, actually. I, I've been meaning to catch the show. I just never got around to it. Uh, the in, pre, in the in the actual comic book Preacher, and I'm not going to get into the TV show, I mean, they had bits of depravity that... that uh, Garth Ennis was getting into, but it worked for the story. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, because they were developing characters, and it was part of, it It was a little over the top, but it was because you, you were invested that it was over the top in the first place, so you wouldn't really notice. And this, I, I, I felt like it got so over the top, it was just covering up bad writing, or, like, psychological issues where, like, weird things happen to you, and the only way that you feel better about things is creating something even worse, um to make yourself not feel like so much as a child or, or as a victim. And if mm-hmm. that was what he was doing, okay, that's fine. And I hope he got it out and got his catharsis. But at the same time though, the, like, uh, did you get to, um, did you get to the, the part where they're partying on, uh, St. Patrick's day? Was that when they were in the hotel and just kind of going from room to room? No, that was, that, that was, that was, that was like, I think issue like six or three or something like that. But we'll get in a little bit. It's later on when it's St. Patrick's Day, but these soups are just being as depraved as possible. And they're like, Huey goes in the, into the fucking shitter and these guys are just pissing in this guy's mouth. I mean, the and, and he's like on the floor all happy. And I'm like, why? Like, like, the, like I, definitely, I definitely did not get that far. And he's on the floor writhing in pleasure and happy about it. And then somebody's like, we should all come on him. And like, come on, man. Like, give us something better. Like, yeah. Like that constant sort of depravity, like it it it, re- it reminds me of why I didn't like Eyes Wide Shut or why when I cringe when I heard the word Epstein, um, mm-hmm. that that sort of depravity is is what happened to you that that, that that's that's uh, something. This that, is what you're going for, yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad that the the writers for the show were able to wrangle that in. I'd really like to know what uh, Garth Ennis thinks about it because I know those those dudes get really really salty about it like you ever seen like alan moore talk about disowning any movie based on anything he's ever written mm-hmm. I've, heard, I've seen a little bit of it yeah and it, it's 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 a little bit of one of those like you got to give it a chance dude i know that it's not your baby anymore but this is what comics are and which is why i got so mad about the or or, or uh, chafed about the idea of a now joker's got a son that now we've got the danger that someone's gonna write a shitty story later on uh, based on oh it's gonna be so cool son of joker and yeah. and then but alan moore you saw watchman right 
Dude, Watchmen is phenomenal. I don't care what anybody says. I think it's a great movie. Great movie. The the TV show was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I want to like you just get so excited, you just want to punch yourself in the face just to calm down. Um, I mean the the TV show Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are doing. I'm Nine Inch Nails is my favorite band. But then mm-hmm. uh, what I'm getting to here is when it came to Watchmen. Did you like the ending of the movie better than the book? Uh, I thought it made more sense for the realism, but I not I I think I like the book better as far as the ending goes. I like the artwork better, but I like the ending of the movie better. Okay. I like it ended you're right, it did make more sense. It did it did make more more sense, but that was before Snyder was like under the gun. Cuz I, I doubt they really thought Watchmen was going to do that good, but then you see Watchmen and you've got like timeless actors in there. Patrick Wilson, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, comedian, couldn't have pulled it off better. Oh yeah, no, I thought I thought it was a. It's probably one of my top five favorite superhero movies. Agreed. Definitely, I'm definitely. I thought it was. I'm not a huge Snyder fan just because the way he does a lot of his stuff. But like I thought, it worked perfectly for Watchmen. Agreed. Yeah, that open that opening credit scene, freaking perfect. Frozen in my seat. Frozen yeah. in my seat. Just this is what I signed up for. I like 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 want to go pay them more for the movie. Like here's ten extra bucks. Like you know, like, yeah. you got a good. It's a really good stripper. Like here's some more money. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> here's some more money. Uh, I don't even think I, I don't even think I watched it in theaters. I, I just happened to freaking find it on like HBO back in the day or something. And I turned it on and I was like, "This is amazing." One of the things I really enjoy about talking to you is how honest you are. I get a lot of people that want to like, "Oh yeah, I read that." No, oh, I totally know that. Oh, I I got the first issue. Um, it's refreshing. Thank you. Oh, I'm just terrified you're gonna call me out on my BS, man. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't do that. I would just edit it out. Um, but <laughs> because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because I, I want to put you over. Because this, this is all about putting you over, and I'm just happy to have have you on the show. The boys. Oh, I just want to yes about comic books, man. <laughs> God, comic books, man. They're, they're the best. Okay, I want. I just want to get into my notes a little bit about uh, the boys. Uh, I, I sent you like what, like five pages <laughs> of notes. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, want to focus on issue one so uh explosive first splash page so you're, you're expecting the boys what is the boys we don't know we see all these like five miscreants looking down at you and they look all tough like a quentin tarantino trunk popping open fucking scene and you know you're you're in distress you open it and we see a captain america looking guy getting his face kicked in and then we turn the i mean it's full splash page i mean like the, the those gore scenes were great regardless if you like gore or not i mean the detail just made it ugly and Oh, the art's amazing. Phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of the art. You turn the page and we see Billy Butcher sitting there just with his dog, smiling, and seeing that soup fly over, and he's like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to get you. And mm-hmm. boom, storyline. Like like, the, like the, the threads. Like this is, this is like... It, it, what's your favorite first issue of all time from starting everything with a bomb or just doing a really good job introducing everyone because the first issue is the hardest one uh first thing that comes to mind is probably the claremont x-men issue x-men x-men number one that was like one of the first comics i remember ever getting 
And I know it's like the most bought comic book of all time, so it's kind of a cop out answer, but Oh no, no, no. That was, that was like the first number one that I was like, Oh either that or I think I randomly picked up because I died falling out of comics for years, and I randomly got back into it with all the number ones for the uh, the new Fifty Two. And I remember the uh, Detective Comics where they freaking at the end of the issue they cut off Joker's face. Couldn't believe it. No, I think that yeah. was ridiculous. I was like, no, whatever's about to happen is going to be amazing. So I'm gonna put that as my answer: Detective Comics number one from the new Fifty Two. Great pick, brother. Great pick. And and by the way, uh, throwback uh, for everyone in Oklahoma. Thank you, Speeding Bullet Comics. Uh, when right before uh, New Fifty Two came out, they had a, a special like, give us this much money for all of the Fifty Two, and we will surprise you throughout the year with a random gift. And I was like, you know what? I'll bite. I paid for the entire Fifty Two right up front, and. Mm -hmm. Right up front, first week, go in, we get Action Comics, we get Batman, I think we get Jonah Hex, uh, and um, I was like, so what's my prize? And uh, Dan, the, the guy, wonderful, wonderful gentleman, like, I, I, it wasn't my main comic book store at the time, like, I'd go in there every now and then, and I, it was like my fourth time visiting, and Dan was like, hey, um, last time you were here, you dropped this. And he hands me a $20 bill, and I was like, I dropped $20? He's like, yeah, you were the only one in the store for like like three hours and um you drop twenty dollars and he hands me twenty dollars and i was like well shit i'm gonna spend this immediately and bought demo and so thank but um great guy he goes to the back to get my prize hands me the absolute edition of the long halloween oh wow <clears throat> yeah great investment thank you spinning oh yeah matt price dan uh, annette Love you guys if you're listening. Um, back to the boys, man. I just, I just popped hard on that one. Man. Oh, no, the Long Halloween, man. That's one of my all-time favorite books. Dude, I love The Long Halloween. Anything with anything Two-Face-centric, I'm a huge fan of. He's probably my favorite Batman villain. Anything mob. When they go mob and he goes true blue detective. I'm oh, in. yeah. I'm, I'm, in. I'm in. Sign me up, you son of a bitch. Uh, now, uh, okay, so back to the boys. First issue, we're introducing all the tones here. So we're Billy, he's he's a bastard. He wants to get these guys. Uh, enter Billy. Enter Huey. Um, he's one of two, our main perspectives, um, him and Starlight. So he's kissing the girl. He's in love. And all of a sudden, boom, she just explodes in front of him. He's holding her hands. And this juggernaut-looking guy just crushed, he was just thrown into his girlfriend so fast it ripped her arms off, and she's crushed completely beyond, you know, autopsy. He's still holding the hands when the cops are talking to him. And, you know, A-Train's like, you know, sorry, <laughs> I'm out. Gotta go. Gotta go. Doesn't care, doesn't want to care. Uh, then we get to uh, Rainer and Butcher. Uh, I hate you. And next thing you know, he's just railing her. And they're just talking like... I hate you, but they're loving the fact that they hate each other. And then we've got the fact we we enter little breadcrumbs of depravity to the fact that Butcher it will fuck you. If he likes you or he hates you or his best friend, he's going to fuck you. And I'm not saying that to be crude, but that's what Butcher does. All the while, while the 
effigy of his his innocence which follows him is the dog just sitting out there and the assistant's like jesus christ and she you know she's giving him the dirt and he's wanting to get the boys together and he he hunts down uh hunts down huey and the before before i before my last little bit here is how many times have you been in a and i honestly hope it's never happened to you but it's happened to me many times where I have been desperate and down and out thought I hit bottom and I'm asking the universe for a solution and I might have asked the wrong way and Huey is sitting there on that park bench wanting something to fix something he's just been tricked into signing his any liability away he didn't want money he just wanted him to go away he's scared and he just lost the love of his life I mean everything was just coming up Huey and He's sitting there, and Butcher's like, "Hi." <laughs> we're, That's we're a bad decision waiting to happen. Terrible decision. What did and you it's, think? It's funny when you look at the page, though, because Huey's over here just bawling his eyes out, and Butcher's over here just hanging out. It's another day in life. He's the devil. So. He's a fallen angel. He, he, yeah, completely fallen angel. What did you think of his origin? Of why he hates the soups. Um, it definitely makes sense. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna hate an entire group of people, I mean, not that you know doing that is obviously in anybody's best interest, but agreed. I mean, he definitely he definitely had a valid reason. He's a soup you know, racist. Yeah, he's he kind of is. Like, I mean, he definitely is. That's you know both the comics and the TV show. But I mean, you know, I definitely, I definitely get his hatred towards Homelander. But you know, I think that's that's a large part of the reason why Starlight's there is to be like, hey, you know, we're not all bad. One of my favorite things about the show is that Homelander is terrifying. He's he's more terrifying to me than fucking uh, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I mean, he, the thing about it is, is the funny part about it is just the fact that he's. You know, at least at the beginning, he's so beloved by the people, and yet he's such a bastard. Like, you know, when you're, I guess, you know, freaking when you when you've got those kind of powers, you know, it's kind of hard to relate in reality to the everyman on the street. You know, he's had everything handed to him. He's a sponsored superhero. You know, freaking, you know, when you're doing that, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know. You know, understand how a man working, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, you know, how he lives his life. It's one of the best things about the comic is they figure out a is that uh, Ennis figures out figures out a way to get people to relate. Uh, issue two, um, going through my notes here is intro. Like, okay, so Huey is Huey's our linchpin. That's who we're attached to. We get attached whether you are. Vibrating at this wavelength at Huey, or you're vibrating at Starlight's wavelength because I feel like they're the parallels that are keep coming back, back and forth, crisscrossing, touching, going, coming back, more damaged, regrouping, back and forth. Um, but I like when I hear people tell me that they relate to someone like Rorschach. Like no, like I wasn't, I wasn't all about, you know. Um, Night Owl. Night Owl, yeah. Personally, my favorite out of out of all the Watchmen was um, the comedian. Okay, nice. 
was the comedian. And it, Ennis is introducing all these characters to just trick you into, well, not trick you, to, to entice you into his world uh, of the boys. Mm -hmm. And the, the main point is you want to be one of the boys. When Huey pulls open that jacket, the first thing I thought was, like, God damn, I want one of those jackets. I want to be one of the boys. I want I to get this jacket. asshole. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I need a I need a new vest, a longer vest. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Oh, anytime, anytime. All right. So, what hooked you in the comic? What brought you in, if at all? Um, Frenchie. No, not Frenchie. <laughs> um, you know, really, as a as a father, I'm gonna go mother's milk. Uh, like you see, you know, I, I, both in the TV show and I think in the uh, in the comic, you know, he's kind of the guy I relate to the most. He's like, I just want to do this for my family. I just want to, I want to get out so I can be with my family. He's the one. With the, he's the one with the most to lose, and I'm so yeah. appreciative that that's your dude. Considering you being a sensei of so many different people. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely, like I said, he's the guy I relate to the most personally. And plus the fact that, you know, he's an older guy. I'm 39 myself. So freaking it's, you know, you kind of, you kind of relate to people, I think, more towards your age. And I kind of feel like he's the, the elder statesman of the group, even if Billy Butcher's the leader. When it, when it comes down to it, I didn't relate to anyone in the comic book. But I was, but I still wanted to be one of the boys. Like, the writer in me was was like scrambling like how could i have contributed to this group because i wouldn't have been like in a, in a and sorry if your family if i offend your family or anything but this is a rated r show but yeah huey was a huey was the biggest fucking pussy and i can't mm -hmm. stand betas not that i'm mr macho man but i will tell you when you piss me off i will stand up for myself and yeah. he, he was like uh, excuse me um I think we're doing something wrong here. Hey, shut the fuck up. Or like, or, or butcher brings him in and it's like, you know, he's going to talk to him and give him that sly smile and, and make him think what he wants him to think. And yeah. he's constantly being manipulated the entire time. When it comes to the TV show, Frenchie all the way. Oh, Frenchie, Frenchie's loads of fun. Big, big fan of the, big fan of the actor and the ways written. Like yeah. he just kind of he is who he is, you know. That's kind of he's unapologetically him, which is, you know, both a blessing and a curse. He's got more of a balance to me, especially when it comes to his. I don't know what you would call it. His ex girlfriend is his side chick that he used to run guns and drugs with. I mean, like with mm -hmm. the, that helping the guy that was ODing, and that flashback scene broke me, man. That that you ever been in a position like that before, man? <laughs> that I don't think I've ever been in anything that dire. Yeah. So he definitely, I don't know. I could feel for him, but I couldn't relate. I related to his love of, uh, in, they, in the comic book, they, they never give her a name. It's just the female. And in, mm -hmm. what was her name in the, in the show? Um, Kamiko. I could see his love for her and his, and it, I didn't feel like it was a lost puppy, but I could see why I could see the redeeming factors in, trying to save her, get her to talk, get her to love him, get her to be happy, free herself, uh, exercise demons, whatever. Um, yeah. That's what I related most because I was just in love with that relationship. And uh, I mean, I think we've all kind of been there at one point or another where you're dating a girl that like is just fundamentally broken and you're kind of broken a little bit. Right. And you're like, if I could just make this work, 
you know, would be, it'd be perfect. And you're just like, no matter how hard you try though, you're just, it's never going to happen. Like, you know, you can't make, you can't force somebody to change. No, that's just, I mean, that's just a hard fact of life. And it's, you know, hard fact of life. You're only going to learn by experiencing it. Agreed. I kind of think that's kind of, that's where I related to Frenchie the most. Like you could definitely see like the female, I, at least in the TV show. Cause I don't really feel like I got that far in the comic books yet. But as in the TV show, you could definitely see where she she wanted to communicate with him more, and she wanted, you know, she wanted that family aspect. And like freaking, you know, he kind of he kind of took it the wrong way in the comic books and tried to kiss her, and was like, oh, you know, oh crap, I I screwed this up, I messed this up. Oh God, please forgive me. Yeah. Because like at the, the, the end of the day, he's fundamentally broken too. You know, they're everybody here is a little screwed up. That's why they're that's why they're a group, because they've all been through tragedy at some level. That's a beautiful way to put it, brother. Like uh, I, I appreciate that. That was actually something I was hesitant to even say out loud because it's like you expose parts of yourself when you talk about like God, like God forbid, like anyone looks too far into like why I like the comedian. I'm I'm not a rapist or not anyone that abuses women, but. What well, good? <laughs> what, what, what I relate to about the comedian is is the scene that we first get dropped into when he shows emotion when Moloch wakes up, and he's like, "God, I'm crying to my greatest enemy. It's all a mm-hmm. fucking joke." And that's like that's like a a huge wavelength that is constantly vibrating in my mind and my essence and my being is that a lot of what's happening is a joke, whether you're talking about government or what's going on in politics uh, or or a shitty relationship like just like i, I when when the, those sort of things happen yeah i'm like i'm crying and i'm laughing like it's a joke can you believe it oh, man? Yeah, can you believe it <laughs> that happened yeah like i said man we're all i mean we're all fine and doesn't you know without going into specifics we're all broken yeah. at some fundamental level correct and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you haven't had a perfect childhood dude my parents i love my parents my parents were great they've been married for 40 years like still together, you know, Mine everything too. phenomenal. Mine but too. like, dude, you know, you still even doing that, even you know, growing up in a great household, with all that, still had my issues, still have my issues. It's just you. The older you get, the more you can, you know, try to work on them a little bit. You know, and just try, you know, try to do your best to be your best. These, it's like these guys are like, when you find a character you really like that you relate to, it's like a um, a monolith. Mm-hmm. Like touching it inspires the thoughts. All of a sudden, it's personified, and it's um, this is a just follow me on this one. This is a huge, huge little roundabout here. Okay. Do, do you know why tarot cards work? Uh, no, actually, it's it's not magic. I mean, some mm-hmm. people and and for everyone that believes that they're magic, yes, they're magic. Do you believe it's magic? I agree. I don't think it's magic. Sometimes, yeah, they they hit something a little hard. But the reason why they usually work is because they are pictorial representations of different aspects and facets of the human condition. So whether or not you're putting down your actual future or what's going on currently, each mm-hmm. one is specifically designed for you to look at it and the, what, the, whatever you read it means is specifically designed to entice a specific human emotion. In which case, when you read something, you're looking to relate. You're you're trying to connect dots. 
So you're looking at all these cards, and this card means this, this card means this. Well, you know, that reminds me of this, what's going on in my life right now that's been really bothering me. And yeah. this over here has been really making me happy because this represents this girl I'm totally in love with. And this represents the this anxiety I have. All of a sudden, you have a map in front of you. And when you have a map, you have an organized pictorial idea of what's going on in this vortex of your mind. All of a sudden, you're looking at, like, a, a, a condensed version of it. So whether or not it inspired you to be a better person or told the future, all of a sudden you have these things that just represent things that you're like, that means this, this means this, and all of a sudden you have a clearer path. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I can, I can, I've actually got something similar that my boss at work did. Please. Uh, she brought in this book, and it's like you take this quiz. It's uh, multiple choice, four or 40 things, but it's like 40 questions. And yeah. at the end of it, um, you can tell that your 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 personality is actually one of four colors: uh, red, blue, yellow, and I think green. And um, you know whatever you are um, for your personality is like four or five different things. Like oh, reds, red, you just leave alone, and they've got to get and and they, you know you give them a project, it's gonna get done. Uh, blue, I believe, is if it's more creative. Uh, yellow is like a, a beta and green is something else that I can't recall right now. But the whole thing is no matter what, you, you will be one of these four colors and it, this will be, this is your personality. And like my boss will actually uh, base activities uh, during the workday around your personality color. Uh, you know, I'll give this person this job because it's a more creative thing and they're a blue and they can just, I'm just going to leave them alone for a couple hours and they're going to get it done and it'll be how they want to do it and everything's, everything's copacetic. You know, if we're busy, we'll throw, throw a couple of reds over here at the pharmacy to fill. Right. And they'll, they'll get there, they'll, they'll break down the hundred prescriptions we've got to fill and they'll get it done. And like, she's, like, it, it, you know, I'm not a big, huge believer in the color concept. Right. But, but apparently it will. It works. When, when they put people over here, it gets done. So I mean, whether you you know want to believe that people are you know kind of like I, I'm almost offended by it because it's like oh you know I'm you know being you know, we're individuals we're not that basic you know we're in control of who we are. Agreed. But I mean, on the other hand, you know sometimes you know maybe we do. I don't I don't like the concept of us fitting into one of four categories, but maybe there is something behind it. So it's like a team building thing for better production. Yeah, yeah, probably it's a really good way to put it, actually. Yeah, and and every time I've had something like that enforced on me or was a part of, I was immediately they knew that I wasn't going to like it, mm -hmm. and but at the same time though, the the exercise itself allowed me to express myself, and the fact that I was expressed and heard immediately put me at ease. I'm like, okay, dude, all right, I get it, and I will. I'm not drinking a Kool-Aid. You're not making me drink Kool-Aid. What you're doing mm -hmm. is, is helping me improve myself at work, which why wouldn't anyone want to do that? And yeah. I, I dig it, man. I dig it. Now, um, when I bring that up, the reason I brought it up is uh, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, mm -hmm. you, you in order to be successful at anything, just like you said, team building exercise, 
you're, you're seeing Leonard's uh, tyranny freak out on these guys and tell them what colors they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you read, you, you literally read my mind. And, uh, Mr. 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 White was crowd control. He was in, he was the one that is going to be cool in the situation. We've got Mr. Brown. He's the getaway driver. We've got Mr. Blue. He's the experienced bank robber that can see things before they happen. We got Mr. Pink, who is the beta that will play along. Like he was, he was the Chihuahua barking, but at the same time, he still fell in order. And, uh, of course, then you got Mr. Blonde, the wild card. You got to have a wild card. It's just, it's just part of. If you ignore the wild card, then you're inev- inevitably inviting in the wild card in a more extreme fashion that you're not going to be able to control or even uh, anticipate what they're going to do. That's how I see the boys going on here. Is that it was a small faction, a little bit smaller. We've got Huey, who's the nagging voice of. Uh, I, I think we're doing something wrong. We got Mother's Milk, who was, and and I freaked out earlier. Like I, I was literally typing it to you my notes when I was doing it. it was like that's why they, it's not the breast milk thing. In the comics, they call him Mother's Milk because he can't survive without his mother's breast milk. Mm-hmm. They call him Mother's Milk in general, but they actually gave him a name in the show. But in essence, Mother's Milk is soothing and sustains. He's he's the mother. Of the of, of everything, he's the one that has the most to lose. He's the one that also is the one that is the only one that Butcher will listen to. Yeah, or any of them will listen to, including the female. And then we've got Frenchie, who is the the bomb expert guy. He's the guy that can assemble. He's he's Mister T in the A team that can build a tank in in an abandoned barn that they're stuck into. And then we've got the yeah, wild the tech guy. Yeah, he's the tech guy. And then we've got. We've got the wild card, the female, in in just don't cross her, don't touch her. <laughs> like, it, like, how hard did you laugh when they were playing reverse strip col- strip poker? That like that that <laughs> got me, man. Like, of, of course that's the way. You, okay, that's fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Any thoughts that you had from the first couple that really stick out that bothered you or energized you? Um, no, nothing really, like I said, initially nothing really bothered me too much. It's kind of, you know, just kind of getting to know the team from a comic book standpoint, really. You know, like I said, the biggest surprise to me was I kind of felt that, you know, Butcher was more, Butcher was more human and less killing machine in the comics, I kind of felt. So I thought that was, you know, even with the whole thing with him and the, uh, What's her name from the CIA? Susan. Rainer. Rainer. That's I can never remember that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, even with her and Rainer, like, I was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. I, I laughed know, at it because I've, I've had some sake. To, I've had some hate sex before, and it was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought you know overall, I thought it was you know pretty solid introduction. I thought the first story in and of itself was pretty solid, actually. You know, I kind of found it fun that. I found it interesting that the uh, the seven really didn't play too much into it as of yet. Yeah, they, and they were instead working with uh, the t- or going against teenage ticks, which is interesting. Cause I remember, if I remember correctly, I think it was a TV show in the uh, in the t- in the in the t- on the TV show instead of a, a group of superheroes. 
I might have got that wrong though. No, uh, you're you're correct. It was a TV show, but Teenage Kicks uh, in the TV show was where Starlight and that dude that she that got she got to steal some V from. Four. No, no, no. That one was uh, it was Murmur and A Train actually, were the ones on there because they're not Murmur. Yeah, was it? You're, no, you're right. You're right. Mesmer is Mesmer. That's what his name was. Dude, how? And this is just so morbid, but how? pleasant was it to see Haley Joe Osment get his face just bashed the fuck in. <laughs> it was brutal, man. It was definitely brutal. Like I was I was a fan and he definitely he definitely got what was coming to him because at the end of the day, like I think a lot of my, a lot of my stuff just goes back to being a parent, but like the fact that he had gotten a chance to see his kid again and was just so willing to throw that away to for the chance to quote unquote be a superhero again was just kind of like you bastard you got you, you got what you deserved I like you threw, you threw away a relationship with your kid for i mean maybe as a you know like as a wrestler i could, i'm not gonna say i agree with it any more or less but like i was never the kind of guy that i'm like my goal was never to go to wwe I was a fan, but I never like that was never like my be all end all. Too much. Like control. if I don't make it to WWE, I'm I'm not a wrestler or I'm less of a person. Screw that, dude. WWE sucks. It blows. It is an offense to it's it's just like what I was talking about earlier before we started recording about uh just introducing a gay character or turning someone gay. Uh, just to appease people, it, or 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 we need a black character, a Chinese character now because we see like no that, that it's so corporate, and and it, it it's offensive to me that you would like it's less of, it's 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 light years beyond less offensive to me when I had to like swallow John Cena and that's when I tuned out for a little bit but I'm glad you brought up WB because um when when Butcher was starting to no not when Butcher when uh he was reaching his hand out for the female to touch it so he could he could feel and read her mm -hmm. mind it was just like at wrestlemania in dallas uh four years ago when me and my girlfriend were we're, we're in dallas watching this and Stone Cold comes I out i was too actually me and me and my girlfriend but now she's my wife through there you were there too hell yeah yeah dude <laughs> that makes I, I went i went for Ryder. Went for Zack Ryder. Dude, I wish I was there to <laughs> high five you right now, man. I cried when fucking Zack Ryder won because that was my boy Kevin Owens. He's still my boy, but uh, when so you know exactly what I'm talking about because my girlfriend she wasn't too schooled on on wrestling and remember Stone Cold is you know like you know who can challenge us the Legion of whatever assholes uh, deleted it from uh, my mind who can challenge us you know Stone Cold and League of Nations League of Nations come out and they go you know kick everyone's ass and then Stone Cold's being nice and. Um, She's like, oh, look, he's he's being nice. And I'm like, wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. Because like, that's not what the rattlesnake does. And that's not what the female does. The second his yeah. hand touched, just snap. I just saw him just stunning Big E. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I actually can't relate because my, my freaking, my wife is actually way into wrestling, too. <laughs> that's awesome. So, like, her brother's a wrestler and um, his girlfriend's a wrestler and... Yeah, she she knows as much, if not more, than me. Like her favorite wrestler is freaking Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's hardcore, dude. You can't just say yeah. that that's your favorite wrestler without getting no. challenged at a bar. Like, what was your favorite match? And don't you dare say Randy Randy Savage. 
like no, no, you you better go a little bit deeper on that one. We want some we want some D list matches here. We're talking like some Steve Austin and WCW. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> watching watching some of that earlier tonight, actually, some '92 WCW. But yeah, no, man, sure, yeah, she like I think we because we had met at a show and then we all went to a bar afterwards and I just kind of BSing and. So who's your favorite wrestler? I was like, I expect the typical Batiste to Jeff Hardy, blah, blah, blah. She's like, Ricky Steamboat. I was like, marry me. <laughs> I'm not, not yet. She's, I had to find out how messed up she was first. Hmm. I think I she, would... I've got a, I'm on blood thinners because of my heart. And she's on blood thickeners because she's got a vitamin K deficiency. Once she said that, then I knew I was going to marry her. That's awesome, man. I love stories. She was like, like I've, got, I've got it. I bruise easily. And I was like, me too. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, so boys. All right, so one thing that I couldn't wrap my mind around is who the legend is. Obviously, he's Jack Kirby, a little bit of Stan Lee, but he's got. But I feel he was a little bit more deep throat as well. Like he's deep throat that didn't out himself and still has some connections. Did you see any other parallels? Oh no, man! I freaking I like I like the deep throat analogy because he's definitely like I, th- I get I, I've heard a little bit about him and he's like a retired superhero, and he's definitely from what I understand he's got connections to the seven, but I'm not I haven't heard too much more than that unfortunately. Yeah, they get further into it, man. It's one of those things, man. It reminded me of in Preacher, and by the way, uh, I'll get you Preacher. Don't worry. Um, you'll you'll read it every year actually. Um, you know, you're going to read it, and then in a year, you're going to call me and be like, well, I missed a whole week of work. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but he's, he definitely reminds me of, uh, there's a character named uh, Odin uh, that looks very similar to him from Preacher. But I just couldn't trust it, but I love the, the uh, analogy or metaphor of those two fat, racist, dickhead comic book shop owners, man. Like that are mm-hmm. they're they're those big old Guido guys slaving over fucking Star Wars like like it was like a mafia hit or something like that like it was family business I popped for that, that was I don't know, I've definitely seen some comic book store owners like that like nobody locally or anything but I've definitely run across some guys that are like if you don't know enough get you know get the hell out of here. Did you ever see Fanboys? No, I haven't actually. I need it, to. It's a Star Wars movie and they run a comic book store in these and they're they're hardcore you know, Star Wars fans and these Trekkies come in, like, how much for the phaser underneath the the glass? And, like, it's not for sale. Well, well, why is it there? The weed out pussy pieces of Star Trek shit like you. Get out of my property. (laughs) Uh, But looking at it, man, I definitely get a heavy Kirby vibe. Heavy Kirby vibe? I mean, like, I I liked it because of how tough he is. Like, I've heard stories about King that like, he was war vet. Like, yeah, he's inside drawing comic books, but if you call him out, he's going to go out and he's going to throw, he's going to throw fists. Like, you, you don't, the, the guy's not scared. Um, before I forget, I always put over all my favorite comic stores here in the Springs. We've got uh, Iron Lion, Muse, uh, the creepy one by the old abandoned Kmart. Uh, oh, Ed, man. That's Ed's, man. I love Ed's. That's where I get mine from. Who's your favorite dude there? Is there anyone there that you, that you uh, always talk? Or? Only one decent recently I've seen is Ed, actually, himself. 
So he's cool, dude. He'll BS with you a little bit if it's you know a little you know not too many people there. But nah, dude, I'm a big. I like I like the fact they have so many back issues. That's kind of that's kind of my bread and butter. Is always if I get a chance to really go through some back issues if I got the time. Stay away from the spawns. I'm filling in holes. That's why. Ah. I, that's why I always go to Ed's by the creepy old uh, abandoned Kmart. That's a good, it's a good place for back issues. That's for sure. He'll hook you up, man. Like, yeah, he's a little bit like rough around the edges, but like once you talk to him and you're a person with him, I mean, the guy's a huge into like fucking college football. I mean, if you want to, if you want to read comic books and hang out at a comic book store and watch college football, go to Ed's. Yeah, definitely. He's I, a, I've got a save spot there, and always, and we getting like two or three extras on top of everything else I get. So he'll find you your shit, man. Oh yeah, dude. He'll freaking he'll hook it up because he's he'll freaking throw stuff in. Like if you like, you know, Batman or whatever. If they happen to get a new limited series out for Batman, because you know they always have a new six issue limited series with Batman in it. Right. He'll throw it in your box just to kind of, you know, just to see if you're interested in it or not. I always feel that his store is just like it's always different every time I come in, even though like all the main fixtures are there. Like, there's always something new to look at, or, or, or a new crate to dig through. Like, what am I looking at? Like, there's going to be something in here. Uh, I remember buying, like, 30 issues of Spawn one time that filled in this giant gap, and he was he was just talking to me. Like, he was quizzing me on Spawn, but mm-hmm. my relief is what made him like me. was like, I have had this hole in my soul for 20 years. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, I appreciate you putting him over, man. That's awesome. Oh, no, dude. Ed, Ed's a good dude. Uh, I don't like that he gets me variant covers, but other than that, I'm not a solid. Vari- Are you a variant guy? I'm not a variant guy, man. I can't. I like I like the original covers. Like, very rarely will a variant really catch my eye. Extremely rare. Can't, like, variant culture pisses me off. It, it is, it is. Anytime I see anyone popping over a variant cover... I just want to like tap on the shoulder. Uh, what happened in the fucking book? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rag at anybody else if that's their thing, but I'm definitely freaking. I'm I, one of those things. Not for me, man. I get that bad '90s taste in my mouth every time I hear variant. Like the last variant. Oh, yeah, back in the day when they used to give like a thirty covers <sighs> for oh, shit, man. book. Just no, don't don't do that to me. Don't make me feel like I'm not good enough. To be a comic book fan because I couldn't afford this fucking eighty dollar thing that they had to, they had to buy a hundred of just to get one of and mm. gamble on that and then and then at the same time not enjoy what's in what's in the pages and that's one of the things I love about the boys is the fact that like it is not a it is it is a fine wine it is not a box wine that you're gonna be okay with to get drunk off of this is something that you really gotta invest in. And and take the time. Um, we talked about Mother's Milk. What were your feelings about the redemption of the female in the show? Because the parallel, not in the comic book, they they don't they don't name her. There's never any story in her. Like she's kind of a void. Yeah, no. Um, it was it was interesting because like. And one of the, like I said, it made me mad at Butcher because, like, when they found her brother, it was like, first thing he wanted to do was shoot him. It was like, I get the concept of, hey, you're not a huge Soups fan, 
But on the other hand, you think the soup that you have put up with is going to be okay with you offing her brother? Like, in front of her? Yeah. Like, you know for a fact, with Huey, that's what caused him to snap and join the boys. Like, what's to say she does you know, if you, if you shoot her brother in the head before they could even talk, after he, she's, the whole point, her whole purpose was to find him. You don't think she's not going to, like, disembowel you? Like, I never, I never got that, like, the same thing with, uh, you know, him shooting Starlight. You know, how are you going to shoot him, him or shoot her right after she hugs Huey and be like, oh, Huey, Huey will be fine with this. Now, like it just like as a leader, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Like, why wouldn't you at least try, especially if you're going to if your whole purpose was to get this guy? You know, why would you why wouldn't you try to, like, talk to him first and try to see what's going on, especially if there is that familiar bond? Now, that's interesting that you would personify Butcher as a leader. Why do you think he's a leader? Because I'm going to tell you why I think he's not. Uh, you know, he's a, he's you know he's kind of the linchpin. He's the one you know making them the boys. Like he's he's the one that tells them what to do. You know, and he kind of what for right or wrong. You know, they they listen to him. I mean, he's the whole reason Mother's Milk even comes back. You know, he's the guy that recruited Huey. I mean, granted, he had to you know had to run over translucent with a car to get his attention. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I definitely kind of, it was, you know, he's definitely the, you know, he's definitely the guy with the plan. You know what? I'm going to wait until you finish reading until we talk about Butcher. Okay. I don't, I, I in no way want to spoil things. The other thing is, is that the changes that they've made in the comic book to the show, in there's certain comical, over the top, funny, not the depravity that they have in the actual comic book. That reminded me of the tick. From doing the tick to did you ever watch the did you ever read or watch the tick? I, I remember watching the cartoon back when I was a kid. The the, the, the translations. The translations. I'm not quizzing you. It, the translations of something that worked on paper to something that's gonna work on animation or, or just live action. There mm-hmm. was so many fun aspects to it. Like uh, for example, um, things that worked that they were able to pull off in the comic book because you, it's what I, it's why I like comic books so much. I think it's the purest form of art form. Uh, if you painted like 10, 20 years ago, if you painted Wolverine in spandex and you had Banksy paint it, you'd still be like, he's in spandex. But now, it's we have a little bit more leeway about what what is artwork and what's good artwork and what we can define and what we like, and. We've got things that don't really always translate well. For example, in... I'm going to give you one little spoiler here. Uh, okay. There's a scene in the last... I want to say it was like the sixth to last issue when Huey is wrapping things up and in the comic book. And they reveal why Mother's Milk is called Mother's Milk in the comic book is because he's um, he was breastfed as a kid and he cannot survive without his mother's breast milk. And... Mm-hmm. Every time they show him go home, he's always fighting a door. He's like, Mom, calm down. And he's fighting a door. You see him like like this big, strong, suit-powered dude. He, he's having trouble locking a door. And and he was looking for mother's milk, and he goes to the mom's house, op- unlocks the door, goes downstairs, and there's this giant amorphous blob uh, that used to be a regular-sized uh, semi-obese woman that breastfed a teenager. 
and she's like ten feet tall, and her tits are swinging around the room like fucking like she she was bigger than Mojo from oh wow yeah she was bigger That's than funny. Mojo and her tits are swinging around the room like like they were like uh, I don't know a, a, a computer screen save amorphous thing choking him and makes him put the nipple in the mouth. But in the comic book, they, um, when the Russian dude that they barely even talk about that has that big giant dong. Oh, freaking, uh, I can never remember what it's for. Something spicy. Love sausage. Love sausage. Love sausage. That didn't happen in the comic book. He had a big giant one, but it was just always just bulging in his, like down to his knee in his spandex. Yeah, that part I've seen because he was in the third story. It's third story arc they did. Yeah. So I'm definitely he he's actually an interesting character. Freaking, I was I was surprised when I found out it was the uh, the same character from the TV show. Especially when like, okay, it was like one of those things. Like we can say this because it's not so taboo. Is that okay? I kind of see why this Soviet sympathizer ex communist misses his way of life. He didn't. He wasn't saying I missed, like, you know, worshipping Stalin or something. He gets pretty close to it, but um, you introduce this and that, and you cross the lines, and how are they going to have a big, giant, giant black woman with giant swinging tits in the show? I liked the little bit there, especially when did you realize it was a dick? Um, like on the show? Yeah, when it was choking mother's milk out. Pretty much when they freaking when he crawled back up his leg. When when it became that it was obviously a freaking a freaking joke with the dick, I was like, ah. But I I, I found I thought it was funny because it was like you know superpowers are superpowers, not necessarily gonna get the clean ones, I guess. What did you think of Lamplighter? I thought it was interesting. Freaking, I like the fact that it was Sean Ashmore. It was Iceman in the original X Men trilogy. And, I, I popped and for that. But yeah, no, I was I because yeah, like once they got it, I was like, oh, that's what because I I didn't know what the heck happened to him. So I was really interested to find out because I felt like it was gonna be a plot point at some point, and to see that that's what he was doing was like, oh shit, like he's just over here, you know basically taking care of people in this you know i kind of felt like it was like an insane asylum almost but basically i guess would call it constituted as like a testing facility <clears throat> lamplighter's remorse for killing those girls that was made, made me think of the comedian yeah no i could definitely like i didn't think about it he said it but yeah it makes makes perfect sense and like that whole that whole episode was kind of an emotional turmoil for everybody, because like you got Lamplighter over here feeling bad because he thought he was killing uh, Mallory, and then freaking you know when you finally find out what Frenchie was doing instead of you know tailing him, it was like you know that sucks, but I get it. Especially for the tragic loss, he saved him that night, but he still fucking OD'd later on. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was, it was like a couple months or a couple years later or something. It wasn't very long either way. Either way, it was still wasted effort, but. Yeah, like it was, it was going to happen sooner. Like, you know, and it kind of, it kind of put some extra bit of light on, 
you know, his relationship with his ex. Like, you could tell they were still felt for each other, but you could tell it was, there was a reason they weren't, you know, madly in love anymore. We're, we're, this is going to be part one of probably part three or four. What do you feel about the redemption factor in this? Because we, we've gotten into season two, completely in season two of, of The Boys. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that what is the saving grace from the absolute unnecessary depravity of the comic book, but in the show, redemption is the... I think that that's the backbone of the boys in the show, is redemption. We've, we've got Huey trying to redeem himself from joining this band of miscreants. We've got Frenchie trying to redeem himself for not being there to save them, uh, or, to, or to save... or constantly try to save the female yeah we've got homelander who only wants to be loved yeah homelander homelander is an interesting case just because like he's one of those cats that just totally looks for love like he's looking for that instant gratification love like he doesn't want love he just wants to feel important right now and it doesn't matter if it's freaking, you know, um, if it's still it's Stillwell. Stillwell. It doesn't matter. Still, it doesn't matter if it's from Stillwell, or if it was um, Doppelganger. Oh, dude, I, the, that <laughs> I like, never. It, what was your emotion in that? Because I couldn't like. It was like all of a sudden like. Like, we were watching TV, and the cable goes out, and it just starts scrambling. But I was still able to see the pictures. That's what it felt like. Like, what's happening? There's, like, a pay-per-view in 97 that you didn't pay for. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember Starcade 97. That's what I did. Shit. It was Channel, it was channel 59 in, in Fairbanks, Alaska. You change it to 59 at 1 in the morning, you'll get three free seconds of porno. So you got to be quick. you got to be quick. <laughs> Get me focused. <laughs> but yeah, like the doppelganger thing was like when you saw him was still well, was still alive. You were like, at first you were like, it's a comic book show, so maybe she survived. Maybe Homelander brought out a separate corpse beforehand that he just fried some stranger. Right. And then like once it was doppelganger, you were like, oh my god. Between that and then the later freaking. The later scene when she when doppelganger transformed into Homelander, mm. it was that was weird. It, I, yeah, I think I think they only did that just to touch. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. I didn't mean to. Oh no, you're good. You're saying let me like it was a little uncomfortable to watch. Not gonna lie. It's like you're not ready for it. Like uh, like Bill Burr talks about it. He's like, I don't hate gay people. I have no problem with gay people. I've got a ton of, I've got a ton of friends that are gay. But you're watching Brokeback Mountain. You know, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> It just happened. <laughs> like, wasn't ready for it. Like, if, if that's not what you're into all the time, you might not be into it. And uh, I, I liked his what idea. That, though? It was the same dude. Yeah. Like, and you're not entirely sure that Homelander's not down. Agreed. Like, it's, that was the whole thing. It was that. And then, like I said, Stormfront. You know, the, the only one that would tell him no was Maeve. And, and freaking, that was, that was built upon for two seasons. The nine like, eleven thing, it, with the Mave thing, you were always like, like when they were in a relationship, what the fuck happened? Nine like, eleven. It, it never, it never felt comfortable. 
Like you always, you always knew like some stuff went down behind the scenes that like was not good. You no. just weren't. They never said specifically what it was, but you always knew it was something. Like it was always uncomfortable in that that way where you just know something bad happened, but you don't want like you you want to ask, but you don't want to ask because like once that door is open, you know it's it's you. There's no putting anything back in the closet. It just is what it is. Especially when you find out that uh, Stormfront is a, a fucking Nazi, and I mean, like, you, when you when you find out what it is going on with Maeve and Homelander, it's it's more of a cultural, like, historical aspect that we all have our own uh, perspectives from. But at the same time, though, Stormfront was a fucking Nazi. Yeah, yeah. and that, that was surprising. That one, that one took me for a loop a little bit. I was like, oh. Cause, I mean, that's the thing with the freaking the V is you don't know how you're going to react to it. And the fact that she was old, you know, old enough to be a Nazi and like the picture of her with her daughter was you know, crazy. Died of Alzheimer's four years ago. Like, fuck, what, what's going on here? And then, uh, the, of course, they like it's one of those things where people are constantly using sex to control people. And mm-hmm. I never saw Homelander for one second going for anything like that even in the comic book despite what you haven't seen yet um that he would go for a nazi but i think that was just a little touch of the depravity that they won't throw into the show because it's going to derail a lot of people surprise i'm surprised i'm surprised i made it through the whole comic book i've seen some crazy shit but there were some times where like did you ever read american psycho or watch american psycho i watched american psycho back in the day yeah there's in the book there was times where like I had to put the book down and come back in a month. <laughs> and there were some parts in in uh boys that I skimmed pretty hard. Because <laughs> like, I just I was already, you know, I'm already there. Wrapping things up. Yeah. Well, actually we don't have to wrap things up. I'm I'm just always worried that I'm keeping you up. Oh, you're good, dude. What do you feel about Huey's aspect of being like the little buddy of the boys? No, you know he's he's the gateway for everybody, man. He's the he's the character that like you know you were you're, you're supposed to relate to the most because he's like thrown into this world the same way you're thrown into this world. So I I definitely get why he's you know the way he is, but it, it's interesting to look at his journey. Um, in the comics as opposed to in the show because like in the show they're jumping right into you know right going right up against a seven whereas like in the comic books he's kind of starting out with some lower tier guys and kind of building up his confidence a little bit more beforehand and learning the ropes which is definitely kind of i felt like that was a little bit easier to kind of grasp than like oh you know hey we're just hanging out at a store one day, and this invisible this invisible guy came in here and just kicked the crap out of me. Yeah. As a wrestler, though, I mean, like, the wrestler moment I'm, I, I want to make a parallel to is when Huey first punched someone so hard they died. Mm-hmm. What moment as a wrestler did you realize there's no turning back? Um, I knew pretty quick. You know, I was... I was pretty determined to do this right off the bat. Like I think I paid, I paid my entire uh, entry fee the first night. I, I knew right off the bat I was gonna at least, 
do it at this level. How did you feel as a, as, as a trainee from day one to someone that trains as sensei to people like Huey? Those, those, those dip in the tiny bit of the nacho and the salsa, just like, I don't want to get too dirty. I, I don't, I'm not really one of you guys, but I'm still one of you, but they're, um, you know, really the biggest thing was like, keep your mouth shut and do what they tell you to do. Cause you know, you didn't, you know, I've been watching it for 15 years and 10, 15 years at that point, but like knowing actually what the ins and outs were, you know, you, you kind of, you know, we all backyarded at that time. So like you could do, you, you, you know, you would bumble your way into how to do certain moves properly, but you know, you never freaking, you didn't know. So like you just kind of sit down, shut up and listened and hopefully, you know, the people that were training you knew what they were talking about. Right. But that's how you felt as someone devoted to the craft. How did you feel about the people that weren't the dabblers? Um, it didn't last too long. I think of all the guys, and there was like four guys in my initial class and only one other guy made it to even having a first match. They drop off pretty fast. Oh yeah. Like there was, there was one guy named flood and I don't, I think his real name was Adam. And like, he was, he was gone in a matter of two months, but he just, I remember his name was Adam and he looked like, like a skinny edge. Like if Edge had never lifted a weight, because Edge was always skinny. Anorexic Edge. There was another guy. I can't even. I can't even tell you to look like. Freaking the other guy. There was one other guy that freaking. Like he he fell off, but he ended up coming back later. And freaking, he's actually freaking still doing stuff here and there. Well, I'm I'm glad for the people that are able to pick pick back up, but at the same time, though, like. Like I said, I'm not Mr. Tough Guy, but at the same time, though, like, once you're in the shit, you're in the shit. There's no going back. And that's one of the things that, like, drove me nuts about reading the comic book was that Huey was constantly... I can't do it. And Butcher's like, oh, come on, baby. It's going to be okay. <laughs> let, let me... Like, uh, do you, you ever see that movie Waiting? No, actually, I never have. I think I own it, though. It's just bad. <laughs> Luis Guzman is trying to convince his girlfriend to screw in the bathroom. She's like, I'm not screwing in the bathroom. And he's like, babe. No. Babe. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> That's how I see Huey. <laughs> but, but at the same time, once the shit happens, he's like, I'm not responsible. Or, like, he seems like one of those guys that got his hands dirty and he just won't admit it. And, I mean, Frenchie... Frenchie's too involved with with uh, female to even care uh, or mm -hmm. notice, but Mother's Milk is the one that notices that despite the fact, and this is what I was boiling to on this one, despite the fact that he's constantly pussing out, he's integral to the team. Yeah. How did you find him integral to the team? I mean, like, other than just the fact that he just accidentally shit in some dude's bat cave, like, cause that was such a great message. That was ridiculous. Oh, uh, was it the, the tech cave? I believe the tech cave. Oh dude. I was like, come on, really? Like that was, that was straight up excess. You didn't need to do that. Not, not at all. And then he's like passing the, the obviously been fucked, uh, hole in the watermelon and, and then we, we've already experienced the gerbil crawling out of what's-his-name's ass after Huey punched him to death. Then he kept the gerbil. 
Like, how do you keep like how do you keep the gerbil after that? I think it was him keeping his innocence. That gerbil's seen things. <laughs> gerbil's seen that things. Like that gerbil. That gerbil has seen things. Yeah, that gerbil can write a novel. Uh, it needs to be uh, on Montel. Thumbs. I'll be able to write that damn novel. <laughs> it needs to be on Sally Jesse. It needs to know it's not the father. It needs, uh, it needs a therapist. <laughs> needs a therapist for the therapist because what that those like seriously those that was some like if, if you thought Eyes Wide Shut was crazy or what you're hearing about Epstein and whatever people in power, uh, what happened to the boys was like what the fuck man like how do you even draw that? What are you doing, yeah. honey? Oh, I'm uh, drawing these four guys fucking while this girl is making him do this. Oh, okay, honey, are you making some money? Oh yeah, okay, cool. Dinner will be ready in 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, yes, All yes. Tacos. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, <gasps> afterwards, don't forget to pick up Joey at the uh, at soccer practice. Okay, honey. Veiny dick. <laughs> it's fun. It's excess. Wrapped around the dude's neck. Wrapped around the dude's neck. Oh, oh. <sighs> Definitely something for a drink, but... That's all I got for tonight, brother. What do you got? Anything to lead us off? This is uh, let's just say this is part one. Because we, we got to explore the boys more. This is so much fun. I know we haven't even really gotten into teenage kicks yet. Jeez. Uh, let's finish with teenage kicks. Well, that was. You know, where do you want to start with teenage kicks? I want to start with the fact that the government made these assholes look like martyrs and victims and then the best thing they had was it get what's his name to admit that he was gay but it, like as as someone that has no problem with any of that sort of thing like the fact that like you'd have to out yourself to make people oh, uh, oh do, we had this crazy battle and these random assholes uh, killed like two of us uh but he's gay oh i'm totally gay i gotta leave for a while <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully the uh the pictures of us don't get leaked. Uh, God, that was that was a tough bean to wrap your mind around. Like that 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 yeah. political spin doctor bullshit, man. Oh yeah, no, that was definitely crazy. I mean, it was. You gotta remember though, this was originally written in like two thousand five, two thousand six. So, I mean, definitely, you know, should have been a better culture at the time, but. Well, I had there, a- there definitely some people that freaking you know more people had issues with it. I think than. Do currently. Let me, I would like to add that people probably still have the same issues, but they're not allowed to have the same issues because if you do have any sort of issues, you're canceled and you're a piece of shit and you're not allowed to talk about it. I'm not saying it's okay to hate gay people. What I'm saying is it's America and you can have your opinion. But now it's kind of like if you get presented with something like this, if you don't accept it, you're going to get roasted and canceled. Yeah. I'm not saying it's okay to hate gay people. What I'm saying is you have the right to hate gay people, even though it's yeah. wrong. And if you have a idea about this sort of thing, and I'm not trying to get political in you, I'm just talking about literally what I'm seeing day to day in in the media, is that if you read The Boys now, you're going to have, it's going to be a little bit more different than when you read it and you were just thrown into the fucking deep end of the pool and say what you want to say, but now you can't. Yeah. I'm sorry if I upset you or, or. Oh no, you're good, dude. Freaking, I, I, you know, like you said, you had, you know, everyone's got the right to feel how they feel. Just freaking, you know, people need to keep it to themselves if they do. And you know, I think definitely some people can get better educated on the subjects. I, 
Those kind of, it's, you know. I guess the reason I bring it up, because I've been chafed all day. I had a great day, but, like, uh, I was talking to my mom this morning, and I was making some cast iron fried eggs. I had some hatch red chili. Smothering that shit and talking to my mom. Okay. Talked to her every morning, and she's like, yeah, you're and Jill and I were talking the other day. And I love me and Jill. Me and Jill's been one of the best things in my life. And uh, it's been a while since I talked to her. Um, but okay. um, she was like, yeah, we were talking, like, uh, and she brought up Trump and... I don't, I'm not getting into that, but she was like, yeah, she was like, the reason why COVID is happening is because we're accepting gay people. And I was like, what the fuck? And she's like, yeah, that she said that. And I'm like, what did you say? She's like, I didn't know what to say, so I shut up and I let her talk and I just uh, changed the subject because, and I was like, so Angel hates gay people? Like the most hardcore Christian person, the, the, the one that wouldn't watch Harry Potter that was because it was about witchcraft, hates gay people? Because God said you shouldn't lay with this person. And then, but God said also, love everybody. And, yeah. I, was, and, and then I was just <clears> like, <throat> it just it just kind of shook me up, man. Like, someone I really loved, who has always brought, brought light in my into my life. And to, to relate it to the boys, we've got Starlight that has followed God. And finds out that's not how the world works. And it shook her up. Like I brought yeah. up that in my notes, the the uh, the mascara running. Yeah, it's, you know, the, her wake up calls have been super harsh in both the book and the TV show. But like, I don't know, it's just you know, as far like I'm, I'm Catholic. My I was raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic. And like too. my whole my whole thing is I've never freaking I've never gotten the joke, you know, if God is all loving. You know, why would, you know, he tell you to hate this person or hate that person? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like I've had, I've had people like, I remember a long time ago, I was friends with this guy that was a director and he, he was working on a movie about wrestling locally. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you, you've seen Chasing Amy, I assume, right? Yeah. Like we were just bold, we were, we were BS and you know, he was driving me up to training because I didn't have a car at the time. I was like 1920 and like he, we were just talking I was talking about whatever girlfriend I had at the time and he was he was dumb they call it the pronoun game he's like oh I'm, I'm with, I was with this person and yeah. they were great and blah 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 and like I just seen chasing Amy so I got what he was doing and I was like dude it's okay if you're gay I, I don't care and he's like, what makes you say that? I was like, you're obviously doing the pronoun game, dude. Like, I don't care. I, you, know, you do you, man. I just, it's not my bag. But, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on anybody for being who they are. Agreed. You know, I've never, I've never gotten that joke. Like, you know, racism is ridiculous. It's stupid. Freaking, there's no reason to freaking hate on somebody for the color of their skin. There's no reason to hate on somebody because their religious beliefs are different than yours. You know, political beliefs, Agreed. sexual orientation, Agreed. all that stuff. Like, it's all, that's all you, man. Just be you. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I, like I said, I constitute myself as a, you know, a Catholic and, a, a, you know, I, I definitely believe in God, but I'm not, I'm not going to freaking, I'm not going to stand pro-life because who am I to tell a woman that I don't know what to do with her body? Agreed. I don't know that. I don't know their situation. I don't know where they're at, you know, mentally. 
I don't know where they're at physically, you know, freaking if it freaking could kill them. If somebody's pregnant and they're getting, they could die with, you know, if they don't, you or know, if, or if they're raped. It's what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a personal, it's a personal decision, you know, freaking. I don't, you know, I just, I just never got the joke with any of that. It's all, you know, I guess I'm just gonna say not my bag. How did he react to you calling him out on it? Did he did he admit to being gay, or did he just kind of like you know keep his secret? Uh, yeah, and... it was actually it was it was actually really cool, and we became really good friends. That's like, awesome, man. Yeah, he was he was a good dude, freaking. Uh, like I even I even ended up going like he would do the, the gay bar down. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was called now, but he used to do karaoke every week, and we would just go down there and do karaoke. You know, not a like I said, not a big deal. It, it wasn't a deal at all. It was just a cool place to hang out with rad fucking people. The only yeah. thing, the only thing I like, and first off, I hope that guy remembers you forever for being calling him out, not because you're being an asshole, uh, but because you just wanted like just be real for a second, man. Because this this pronoun game is like getting tiresome. That's what I heard you saying. Um, yeah. And at the same time, though, the fact you called him out, like he had the maybe I should take a chance with this gentleman and be myself and. Next thing you know, you got a good buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing we were friends to lose. For, we were for years. I actually just reconnected with him on Facebook like a couple months back. Nothing to lose. So freaking, yeah. Freaking, it's not, it's not a huge thing. And like I said, we were buddies more because of it. Because freaking. He trusts you. I didn't, you know. Well, yeah. Wasn't trying to make any prep, you know. Wasn't trying to BS anything with it. Just kind of like, hey, be, don't, I'm not. You know, I've never been a huge fan of freaking trying to make people into something they're not. I appreciate you sharing that with me, man, because that's that's a really big deal. And the fact that you had the, the love in your heart to reach out like that, even though you came out pretty blunt, you were still being real. You were still being yourself. You didn't have to sugarcoat for him or, or read some book that this is how you approach people about this. You were just like, come on, man. Just like, I'm not in the mood for any bullshit. Just tell me. Okay, we're cool. And next thing you know, you're very cool. And you're sharing experiences and being good friends. And one of the things that I always, God, when it comes, when it comes to the boys, because we got to keep talking about the boys, was, <laughs> was, was the fact like, is everyone gay? Like really? Like everyone's just putting a dick in their mouth on this. Like, <laughs> like, um. That's fine, but it was just so over the top. Like, I, I would yeah. love to have a gay man or a gay woman on the show talk about, the, like, how it made them feel. Like, really? Yeah. Like, that's how you're presenting it? Like, are you even part of this culture, or are you just some macabre porn director trying to make the most fucked up shit you can think of to... Yeah, and the whole, and the whole, the whole joke about it is, is, like, if everybody's doing it, you know, why did shout out have to leave in the first place? Agreed. You know, what what sense does that make? Oh, everybody's doing it, but this guy does it, and freaking, he's got to go away for a while. I thought it was shameful the way they they the spin doctor presented it. Yeah, just be like, yeah, I gotta make amends, I gotta leave, but you're gone for ten months, and you come back, and no one's gonna remember, and like, what? Like, like I mean, I like that part of the writing. I'm, I'm not saying that was bad writing. I'm just saying that like. Uh. The, the idea that that is that's actually something that happens in politics all the time yeah well it's actually it kind of reminds me of what like basically what happened to the deep in oh. the tv show it was a, basically the same thing we're just going to send you to ohio for a while yeah we'll bring you back brother don't worry about it 
What a dumbass. <laughs> what a dumbass, man. And then, like, the fact that they had a rape scene that I don't think people realize was a rape scene. Like, she was fingering his gills hard. She was yeah, hurting him. Yeah. That was uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and calling him a dirty, nasty slut, and he's just like... And then, uh, did you notice that was Patton Oswalt's voice doing uh, uh, the, the voice gills? of his gills? I think I saw something about it later, but I didn't realize at the time. Yeah, that was Patton Oswalt. Did you ever see Happy? I saw commercials for it, but never the actual show. Right, we'll talk about it after we're done recording because we got to wind down because this is going to be part one of four. Pretty much. What do you got left to, to wind us down, man? Uh, I think we only got through like the first three issues, so... I told you, long-form conversation, let's have fun. Yeah, no, I freaking... No, like I said, the first the first section's been pretty pretty solid. It's just kind of like it all comes down to the fact that, like, I kind of want more. Like, I kind of want... I want more than just, you know, the sex jokes. Yeah. I'm hoping that down, you know, the more you get into it, the more freaking it'll kind of get away from that. Because, like, the TV show, like, one of the biggest things I, I liked was uh, Black Noir. Because you never like everybody else was screwed up, but Black Noir just seemed to be like the guy that was just taking orders, <laughs> and I, I I dug that part. But then on the freaking, you know, in the comic books, he ends up being one of the guys that freaking forces himself on Starlight. Do not. And I was like, I was like, it kind of took me out of it for a minute because I was like, I'd kind of, I kind of like there to be like one guy that's just like whether he's for it or against it doesn't participate because freaking you know it's just like i said not his bag or if he's like i said he's just more worried about following orders or collecting a paycheck or whatever because then then there's you know something different and then it's like well how does this character how is this character is he okay with it is he not okay with it does he you know does he even care you know what's 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 his reason for being there i i marked off when you started talking about Black Noir. I didn't. I mean, I didn't stop recording. I just marked off when you started talking about that, because mm-hmm. when y- we get to Black Noir, um, I'm gonna play everything that you've played, and we're gonna talk about Black Noir for like 30 minutes. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. this is not an inside joke. This is not something that's a, that. This is not a rib on you. This is just something that is awesome because I'm loving hearing the insight on it having read ahead and again it's not an inside joke this is not a rib on you um i'm loving it especially because oh god damn i can't i gotta shut my mouth all right cool <laughs> i know i know a little bit about him but not and like i've, I've heard i've watched like youtube videos about all oh, this and that but stay away because it'll get ruined in it, it'll get ruined as fast as someone ruining like hey did you watch fight club Dude, Fight Club is one of my all-time favorite movies. How quick can someone ruin Fight Club? I can't believe he oh, was yeah. Tyler Durden the whole time. Ten seconds, yeah, at the most. Yeah, uh, stay away. Gotcha. That's not foreshadowing like anything wavelength for Fight Club. It's just like it can get ruined in one sentence. So careful where you careful where you dig talking about the boys. Yeah. Or reading about it. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. We've talked about Preacher. We've talked about Boys. We've talked about Batman. We've talked about Watchmen. Um, 
I'm surprised we didn't get an interview for Vendetta. Yeah, no, freaking, I need to, there's a couple of movies I need to freaking check out between now and our next conversation, I feel like. Have you, have you seen V for Vendetta? I have not, but I own it, and I've been meaning to watch it for, like, the last, probably two, three weeks. So that's definitely top of my list, freaking, ah, uh, freaking, what else, what else was it that I, we talked about that I said I needed to watch? Because V for Vendetta is definitely top of the list. V for Vendetta is, I feel like, what happened in late February, early March with COVID. I feel like mm -hmm. they're, they're copying V for Vendetta. <laughs> nice, okay. And if you want to do a simulcast on that, because we do simulcasts where we like put on, like, hey, we're watching this movie, at, like, we're hitting play at this exact time, and we're, we're hit play at the same time with us, and we'll be your commentary track. Um, have some fun. We do it with Star Trek all the time. But, uh, oh, nice, okay. Yeah, if you have fun, um, V for Vendetta, one of his probably, I don't know, like Bob Watchman, Ellen Moore, Jesus, mind scramble. Not my favorite Ellen Moore comic, but gotcha. favorite Ellen Moore movie, more than Watchmen. Oh, wow. That's some pretty high praise, in my opinion, then. I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. No smoke. Uh, guys. I really want you to appreciate Mr. Tony Morales's honesty when it comes to co talking about comic books. If he had said he had read V for Dead and seen it, he was depriving himself of something, and we were depriving ourselves of of a, of a discourse. And you, you, I find a lot of you guys posturing, like, yeah, okay, I'm glad you got issue number one. God, you got the variant. Mr. Morales is true blue, honest about everything. He, he, he revealed his uh, honesty about being Catholic, uh, about meeting his wife, about um, his job, about uh, talking to a director that might not have been okay with him calling out with being gay. All within the same wavelength of just being a true blue, honest person. Not one shitty word has come out of his mouth or a dishonest word. And I want you to take that home tonight and think about that next time someone asks you if you read something. Because if you say no, maybe they have it and will lend it to you. One of those perfect books that was that was lent to them and they never gave it back. And the guy that lent to them didn't care that they didn't get it back because they were hoping they'd give it to someone else. Take note to Mr. Tony Morales' training. He just had heart surgery. He's kicking ass. He's been up late night with me tonight talking he's put over his buddies he's not one negative word has come out of his mouth other than being upset that he was being lied to in literature or being talked down to and take that home and think about it as you conduct your everyday life because you're missing out tony i'm sorry i just went and all got gushy on you man i'm sorry <laughs> no it's all good it's all good We'll save all the negative talk for another reel or something. Save it for like the B reel. Who are we gonna hate on? I don't know. Oh, I want to hate on uh, Brock. I don't Lesnar. like broccoli. You don't? Oh, dude, I hate cauliflower. Oh, I love cauliflower, especially if you put some freaking hot sauce on it. Wait, are you talking hot sauce on cauliflower? Oh yeah, I do. I put some bar bar. I'll put buffalo sauce on it all the time. It's amazing. This girl I'm in love with, I always call her a. Uh the hot sauce to my burrito but i meant it like from i meant it to like next friday mm -hmm. but without the diarrhea but then she took it as like you know 
She took it as a diarrhea? It took it as a... Put some hot sauce on my burrito, baby. Hot sauce on my my burrito. What's your final thought here, brother? Uh, No, man, just to appreciate it. Freaking really enjoy doing this. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Maybe even get to issue four of the boys. Issue four is going to get lit. Uh, Actually, you talked a little bit about it, but it's, it's more of like the... God, like we said beforehand, like we can like put your punch to this guy, and this happens, and this guy gets shot. Oh, okay, great. That's like one second that happens. Like, like you can talk about the Matrix all you want, but if you all you focus on is Neo dodging the bullets, you miss the little fucking point. Yeah. And that's what we're Ooh, doing. We die with the Matrix. <laughs> Agreed, dude. Did you do? I saw a photo of him like. Keanu Reeves, shaved head, kissing his girlfriend. Oh my god, I'm like, shaved head? Excuse me? Neo? Shaved head? Ah, uh, come back. He's, he was in a pod? That means he was in a pod in the real world? And Okay, just calm down. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> but Mr. Tony Morales, man, how do we find you on Facebook? Uh, just on Facebook, you can just look me up under Tony Morales. Uh, you can find me under t- at, on the Twitter box, at Morales Mafia. Um, I need to get an Instagram. Shoot, too lazy for that. You do have an Instagram, but like, I couldn't tag you in it. There was something weird about it. I don't have an Insta. I need a. I don't have an Instagram. Oh, somebody's got an Instagram under my name. That's maybe that, terrifying. Maybe that's why I couldn't tag you in it. <laughs> but guys, uh, this is minefields. This transmission is over. Tony, don't hang up. This is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs>